You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Thursday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this fine program. Today, I've got Brooks Childress with me. T.P. Hammock will join in just a few minutes for the first couple of hours. And, of course, our guy Cam Berry is back in the Tiger Communications studio running the board and taking your phone calls this afternoon. Fun show because this is the day we've hit the road. We are at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department. Of course, we do this each and every year here at the fire department where we're able to come on a remote show and help uh, get the word out about the chili dinner coming up tonight here at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department from 6 to 8 p.m. Again, it's the annual chili dinner where it's an absolute great time. We've been out here a number of years again. Uh, There is great helping of chili to be had. There are door prizes, raffle prizes, live music. It's a great environment, and we highly encourage you to come out. Tickets are going to be $10 at the door for all-you-can-eat chili. And, of course, that lets you in on the fun here today. Tonight, And, again, there will be some great raffle prizes, which Tom will tell you a little bit about a little bit later. And the show, of course, our very own Tom Peavy, the captain here at the Southwest uh, Volunteer Fire Department. And, again, uh, we are, are very appreciative and very thankful to be out here and excited to try to help them out in any way here this evening. It's always a great event, Brooks. We've been out here, again, several years. The show's been coming out here, and it never ceases to be an impactful night and a fun night. And I'm glad to be here once again with you. Yeah, I think this is my fourth time out here because Tom uh, talked earlier in the week, had missed 2020 because of, of COVID, so they didn't have one that year. But uh, I, I believe this is my fourth time out here, and it's always such a fun uh, fun event. They always have lot, great live music. Uh, they, they always have plentiful amounts of chili. Uh, and there, there's always some great door prizes out here. Uh, I know Tom's going to talk about it later, but a little teaser, maybe uh, Sports Call Auburn may have thrown a little little something in the prize there uh, for the door prizes uh, tonight. So make sure you come on out, uh, check us out, check them out uh, when they get started at 6 o'clock. You can get here a little bit early, too, and get in line because, uh, as Tom said, it's always an event that a lot of people come to. You want to get in line early, get some of the freshest chili that you can. Uh, here and uh, just have a great time. You know, you bring the kids out here, as Tom was talking about earlier in the week. Uh, they've got the fire trucks already out in the in the parking lot. I'm sure they're going to get those uh, going here in a little bit with the lights, so the kids can uh, can explore them a little bit. But it's a, it's just it's just a fun event. It's the the best part though is it's for a good cause. Is you know you can we there's events all over uh, the the area all the time, but this one is was one of the few that's for a really really good cause. The Southwest Volunteer Fire Department. They can uh, so that they can continue to uh, serve the community and serve Lee County, the, the folks of Lee County, 
in, in the manner that they do. But, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a great show for us. We'll, we'll talk some sports here, not just chili talk here on a on sports call today, but uh, it's it's wonderful to be out here for the fourth for my again my fourth time out here. Yeah, absolutely. And the preparations well underway. Tables going up right now. Uh, there has been uh, a lot of washing going on and a lot of cleaning and just getting ready for what's going to be a great night of family fun. Again, six to eight o'clock tonight. But you are more than welcome, and we encourage you to come by beforehand because we will be we will be out here from three to six p.m. And we've got a few goodie bags for those that want to come say hello to us with uh, some a shirt, uh, with koozies, and also a, a sports call mug in a couple of these yeah. bags, too. Uh, so we want you to come by. And then we also have a giveaway that we'll announce in just a little bit, too, uh, that may or may not be Auburn football-related. So uh, there's a lot of reasons to come out today. Well, I'll give you one more reason. Uh, this is uh, also... Uh, going to be one of the largest public gatherings of Thunder Chickens players uh, outside of a Thunder Chickens game when we're out in public. You're a member of the Thunder Chickens. I'm a member of the Thunder Chickens. TP will be here in a minute. He's on the Thunder Chickens. Captain PV's on it. And then you've got another Thunder Chicken, Mr. Dylan Gaster, is here, a member of the uh, Volunteer Fire Department. Uh, And so this is, uh, if you're looking to meet your heroes from the Thunder Chickens uh, League over the summer, uh, you've got quite a few of us out here tonight to to come and meet uh, as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot great people there again the thunder chickens uh some some thunder chicken alums there too which is always fun so uh, yeah there's a lot of reasons to come out here and again we'll be plugging it throughout the show we will be here live for the full three hours here on this beautiful thursday and again it is a beautiful thursday too uh they have had this event come rain or shine shouldn't have to worry about the rain tonight a very beautiful day going to be high 60s low 70s perfect weather so, again, no reason why you can't be out here at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department from 6 to 8 p.m. tonight for the annual chili dinner. All right, for the show today, again, it is a Thursday, which means we'll be talking some NFL, another NFL game on tap for tonight, albeit two of the more hapless teams mm. in the National Football League. So we'll talk some NFL. Uh, we will talk a little bit today uh, about Auburn and Arkansas, obviously, as Auburn gets set for a date with the Razorbacks about 48 hours from now in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So we'll continue to pre- that, preview that one. A few more thoughts on Auburn basketballs. We're in between games here, having just played Baylor on Tuesday night, getting ready for Southeastern Louisiana on Friday night for the first home game inside of Neville Arena. So a lot of good stuff there. And, of course, any and other storylines or news happenings that is on your mind. If you want to give us a call today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401. Locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. That is how you can get in touch with us today. Maybe we even sneak in at some point a little baseball, too, because we never actually acknowledged live on the show that the World Series was over and that free agency was going to be a big thing. Yeah. And so might have to talk some Braves items in the offseason at some point, too. So we'll see if we get into that. But let's start, as we typically do, with something Auburn-related. Let's start with a little uh, Auburn and Arkansas. As, again, coming up in f- about 48 hours' time in Fayetteville, and, Brooks, we were talking a little bit yesterday after you departed from the show for the high school coaches show, which I believe was another uh, another successful mm-hmm. night last night and its conclusion from uh, the Enzo Bar and Grill for the season. But uh, we were talking a little bit about Auburn and Arkansas and just how you get in danger of saying this about too many teams because you caution people that anything can happen. You say, oh, there's the best 3-6 and six team and that sort of thing. But it certainly is a different kind of 3-6 and six team. It is yeah. a team that – 
did have expectations to a degree coming into the year. However, they're not necessarily on a downward trend in th- within this season right now. For the totality of their program, yes, three and six through nine is not what they anticipated. But they go into the swamp. They win last weekend. Rocket Sanders came back and was healthy, had 100 yards. Offense looked vastly different. It was balanced. They scored points. And now they also know, I mean, I think everyone can feel it. We've talked about it throughout the year. Uh, that Sam Pittman is in danger there, and he is a coach that is well-liked, and that may not mean a whole lot, but it does mean a little something to players that revere him. So with that in mind and a road trip, it at least feels that it is a more significant and more challenging game maybe than Auburn played the last two weeks from a semantic standpoint and just from maybe the way, the direction the team is starting to trend, albeit, again, I, I understand the overall record. What are your thoughts on this Arkansas team right now? I mean, you know, you, you look at them, you, you, it, it feels like, you know, you, you look at their roster, they've got talent on their roster. Uh, it, it's it's just been you know kind of unfortunate this year. You know, I, I think a big part of their offense, and and I'll 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 do this. I'll, I'll compare it to a, to a high school uh, that we cover, Beauregard High School. Uh, they have a uh, they they came into the, the year with some some expectations, some good expectations, um, but they had a running back go down. Their their top running back that I th- you look at their offense, it's really based around him. Um, go down, and it really affected their offensive production this year. I think that's what you're seeing from Arkansas. Is you came into this, this season with expectations. You had a new offense. You had a new offensive coordinator with Dean Enos come in. And with that offense that Dean Enos run, Rocket Sanders was going to be a big part of that offense. And when he got hurt early in the season uh, and came into the season uh, not 100%, and, you know, I, I, I routinely get on the, the SEC teleconference, coaches teleconference on Wednesdays, and it felt like for several several weeks in a row, when Sam Pittman was when it was his time to talk, one of the first questions was, "Is Rocket Sanders going to be able to go this week?" And it would always be, "Well, you know, we'll have to wait and see, and you know, we we, we hope so, but we'll, we have to wait and see th- you know, how how things go here." But it's um, it, it's in, it's an interesting uh, it, it it's an interesting team because if they have Rocket Sanders, they are they they. They they're a team that can win football games. We saw it this past weekend, albeit he wasn't in the main focal point of the offense. But you you he's got a great uh, a, a, a a a great acumen behind him. He's he's great at, 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 at running the football. Uh, but I think this past weekend you saw with that Florida uh, at the Florida game what they can be. Uh, it really really felt like once you you lost him with Dan Enos in there. With that Danny Enos offense and and when KJ Jefferson, that really things fell apart, and that that's what it it, it really feels like. Danny Enos's offense and KJ Jefferson were not meant to mix together unless you had an, an, a number one back there, and so. I think that you know you, you look at this team. You obviously saw last week they were able to put up more points. They were able to 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 win a football game in overtime in a, in a rough environment down there in, in Gainesville. But you know this weekend they return home. This is this is the fans are rejuvenated after watching that game last week. The fans in Arkansas are rejuvenated. Uh, they're trying to you know they want. I, I think overall I'm you know obviously we're sitting here in Auburn, Alabama. We don't have a lot of connections to Fayetteville, Arkansas, or the fan base uh, for the Razorbacks. 
but it feels like the fans want Sam Pittman to succeed. Uh, I think you're getting, you know, obviously you get frustrated and everything, but I think the fans want him to be to succeed and be, you know, he's he's taken them, he's been good, a good coach for them. He's a coach that really feels like, and I think you've said on the program before, he feels like an Arkansas head coach. He feels like the guy that needs to lead that program. But if you're not winning. And you know the business of the SEC. You you gotta, be, and especially when you're, you know, you look down the road here, starting next year with that 12 team playoff, more chances to get in. But you have to be winning football games to take advantage of getting into a bigger a bigger playoff. And so, I, I think that this this weekend is a really really big weekend. I'm not saying it's the same level as what we saw a few years ago, where it was Gus Malzahn versus Les Miles, where Les, the LSU lost that game and they fired Les Miles the next day. I don't know if it's at that level. Uh, where if all, if Arkansas loses the game, they fire Sam Pittman the next day. But it really, really hurts his chances of coming back next year if they don't win this football game. And, again, I have talked about it numerous times and, and will continue to because I think it will shift how we view coaching tenures and coaching successes and failures. But I would just have it a hard time believing that coaches that were contending or making 12-team college football playoffs would not be significantly viewed differently. Because think about it, if you finish 11th or 12th in the country right now, probably in a New Year's Six Bowl, maybe you don't even give a damn about it. I mean, it, it depends on the program, depends on the season, depends on the opponent and all that. But you're all of a sudden 11th, 12th in the country at 9-3, and 10-2, and two, you're in the playoff. And it's going to be really hard for you know maybe the Alabamas and Ohio States of the world get a little perturbed if you only do that and you lose in the first round. But just about everybody else is going to check that box and say that was a successful season. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, if you're in the Southeastern Conference and your name is not Vanderbilt, you have the access to get into the top 12. It may not be common. It may not be often. But you are able to have a stroke of genius to get in the top 12. Bobby Petrino, Arkansas teams absolutely sniffed around the top 12 at times throughout periods of season. We saw Mississippi State do that once or twice with Dan Mullen. Uh, you know, Kentucky's maybe not finished a season there, but they're a game away. If you finish 9-3, and three, you're a game away from being in the top, top 12, top 15, at least being in the hunt. And so all these programs – have the belief that every now and then you can skirt into the top 12. You don't have to finish first, second, or maybe even third in the league next year to be able to make a playoff. And so everyone is going to start to, A, use making a playoff as a barometer of success, both positively and negatively. It will make the 10th place team look like it had a better year than in the past, and it will make the 20th place team feel like it had a worse year Mm -hmm. than the past because, man, if you just won that three-point game earlier in the year, you might have been 12th and you might have been in the playoffs. So I think it will shift things dramatically. And so that being said, while we can sit here and say that Arkansas is more of a six to seven win program that in the hierarchy of the SEC out of fourteen schools it's somewhere in the bottom half. Mm-hmm. It still has the capabilities from every couple of years, every five years, what have you, to have a top twenty, top fifteen team. And mm-hmm. if you have that, you are in the playoff conversation. So we say all that to say, yeah, Sam Pittman's job is in jeopardy, and that's the way it's going to be at all these schools now. I think Shane Beamer and South Carolina included because you are looking on the horizon. You're looking at two more tough teams entering this league, Texas and Oklahoma, that are simply not going to settle for anything less than being top 20 teams. And then secondly, again, you know that being just in, in the rankings means that you're sniffing it, that you're very close to obtaining 
gaining an ultimate goal of competing for the national title at the end of the season. So I think that's why it is valid that Sam Pittman is in trouble. Although, again, I think he's an incredibly likable guy. He got off to an incredible hot start compared to what Chad Morris left him, which was absolutely a pile of garbage. <laughs> and, and so he did a marketably good job his first couple years, but it has trailed off and it is culminating in this, a mad dash to get to 6-6 six and six, and probably a mad dash to save the job. We're going to go to our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live from the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department on Tiger 95.9. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Jeff Whitaker, Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. It's Tiger.fm and it's Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress-Winky here on this Thursday. T.P. Hammock will be joining us in just a few minutes. Of course, again, we are live at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department uh, getting ready for the annual chili dinner. We really want everybody to attend tonight. It is uh, a very important uh, cause because it goes towards uh, equipment being bought for the fire department and uh, for funding for them. So, again, it is very important. Uh, to have this annual chili dinner, and it's been a, a raging success for years now. Again, the address is 2176 Lee Road, 137. That's also known as Y Road. If you're coming from the university side, it's going to be a roundabout. You're going to go straight through it, and then it's just beyond that roundabout. So we want you all to come say hello to us from 3 to 6 p.m., and most importantly, uh, come by at 6 o'clock or between 6 and 8 o'clock. $10 at the door for all-you-can-eat chili. You get door prizes, raffle prizes, and all kinds of good stuff, including live music. For now, let's go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up this afternoon, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. I know that y'all were talking about Auburn and Arkansas, and I know it's going to be a really good game between these two teams. And I was looking at, like, last year when we actually played against Arkansas, and I think Arkansas this year is not going to look like the Arkansas team that we played last year as well because we are really looking good this year. And with these three games on our schedule uh, to close out the 2023 season before a big bowl game, I'm looking at Auburn actually coming out on top in the first and second half of this weekend's game as well. Yeah, it would be tough to beat if you win both halves. I think that uh, last year Arkansas really had a decisive third quarter against Auburn. That's how they pulled out to a lead that they would not relinquish. They uh, pretty competitive game in the first half, but just, just not enough from Auburn in the second half, especially defensively. So Arkansas kind of overwhelmed Auburn uh, last year. It was kind of around this time of the year. I think it was the eighth game of the season. 
And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it was not it was not good for the Tigers last year. Arkansas has not been the same kind of team for the most part this year. Again, I think the the change of dynamic is that they did fire Dan Enos, their offensive coordinator, that they did look pretty good in Gainesville, although flat Florida team does not have a lot of teeth this year. Uh, but, but yeah, it, it, I do think that Auburn's got an excellent opportunity to win. Yes, that's well, because I think this game is really looking good, and this game between Auburn and Arkansas goes all the way back to 1984 when Bo Jackson actually played for Auburn, and we actually did play against Arkansas, and the, and the game that we actually did play was a bowl game called the Liberty Bowl in 1984. So this one would have to be like a rematch of the 1984 season between Auburn and Arkansas as well. Well, and obviously they, they have been playing for a, a long time now. Auburn and Arkansas has been a conference game for quite a while. It's been happening every year for quite a while. It will not happen uh, necessarily every year here in the future as the league changes the schedule away from division matchups and uh, and that sort of thing. But the teams have played just over 30 times, and so uh, it is something that's been going back and forth for a while. But you're right, that original meeting was the 1984 Liberty Bowl uh, in a, in a twenty one to fifteen win for Auburn. Yes, that's well because I think with Auburn in the near future, I'll probably see like some schedule changes for Auburn, probably like twenty twenty six or twenty twenty seven, uh, just to name uh, the future games. I'll probably see like Auburn playing against like uh, Alcorn State for like a, a season opener or like an exhibition opener, just to just to actually get a, a new start on Auburn as well, because Auburn has a really good football program, one of the best football programs in the SEC conference. Um, it, it, it's really amazing to actually uh, be inside of Jordan Hare Stadium, because when you're inside of Jordan Hare Stadium, you're inside of history that's been played in that stadium for years. I mean, most of the people that can remember their first time ever being in Jordan Hare Stadium to see Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, Georgia, uh, Auburn and Georgia Tech, or Auburn and Georgia, um, you know, just to name those historic uh, teams right off the bat. But I think Auburn would look like a good team this year and in the near future with Hugh Freeze as our new head coach as well. Well, and you know, James, I mean, to give you a little uh, little trivia for myself, the first ever Auburn football game, the first ever time I was inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium was when Auburn played Arkansas to start the year in 2014 when Auburn ran all over uh, the Razorbacks to start that 2014 year. Kind of an odd year for an SEC game to take place week one, but uh, that was the first time I was ever in Jordan-Hare Stadium. So I, Auburn-Arkansas certainly gives me that memory. Yes, as well, because uh, basically for me as being an Auburn fan, I, I can remember my first time being in uh, Jordan-Hare Stadium was when, uh, I think it was in 2010, um, before a big bowl game that we were playing, and I think we were playing against Alabama in 2010, and that was my first time ever being inside Jordan-Hare Stadium at all, and that was my first time ever being, um, you know, being a fan of Auburn as well. And a lot of uh, Auburn, a lot of other Auburn fans, they always ask me a lot of different questions, like, you know, why, why do I know so much about Auburn? Because I studied so many games over the years, and I know some of the players. Uh, you know, you know, I've actually seen the players, and I've talked to some of the current players and former players of the school as well. 
Yeah, of course, that uh, that 2010 Iron Bowl was not at Auburn. That was the Cam Newton comeback in, in Tuscaloosa. But, yeah, they, they flip it every year. So we'll see. Uh, I don't know which year it was exactly. But, yeah, they, uh, 2010 was, was in Tuscaloosa. But uh, what else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be uh, seeing what they're going to be talking about later on about Jim Harbaugh and seeing what uh, what the NCAA is actually going to do with the sign stealing because I know it's going to be kind of hard for Jim Harbaugh uh, to actually you know throw that out of his mind as well. But I'm just going to see what is going to be said and done before they play uh, Penn State this weekend as well. Yeah, I mean, I, it is a big game for Michigan, clearly, and they've got a lot going on. But, I mean, all they can really do at this point is, is I guess, bicker a little bit with the Big Ten, but then also focus on the game component of it because we're all talking about if they have to vacate stuff and should be ineligible and that sort of thing. Well, it doesn't matter if they don't win any of this. So they do need to go play a good game at Happy Valley. Penn State is desperate for a big win. They've continued for the most part under James Franklin to lack that. And so, uh, I mean, it's still a big game for Penn State. They're ranked 10th in the country. They're kind of an afterthought because they continue to not win those big games against Ohio State and Michigan and those sort. But, I mean, no, it is a a very important game this weekend. Yes, as well, because with uh, the the huge changes in uh, TV scheduling, where do you see the Big Ten network? Do you see them actually moving to a different network when – uh, when they actually change the Big Ten and the Big 12, where do you see those two networks actually moving as well? Yeah, the Big Ten network will still be uh, the Big Ten network. Now, the, the programming there uh, for all the games being on the on the big channels, CBS is going to have a part of that pie. They've begun to this year. Uh, the games will continue to be on Fox. There'll be uh, some games, I think, a little bit lesser on NBC. No more ESPN, which that's been the case really this year too. I mean, it's not really been on ESPN this year, so – all those Big Ten games, they'll be, again, mainly uh, CBS, Fox, and a little bit of NBC. Yes, as well, because when um, when the SEC actually changed their ruling, I'm thinking that the SEC, when they actually add Texas and Oklahoma, I'm thinking that the Texas network is no longer going to be uh, their own partner. So when the when uh, Texas and Oklahoma comes to the SEC network, I think there's going to be a light, a slight change in the SEC network in the near future when uh, Texas and Oklahoma comes to a new home in the SEC in the in the near future as well. Yeah, I don't know exactly how it'll affect the SEC network. I do believe the Longhorn network is not going to exist anymore uh, once they go to the SEC. That was a separate revenue stream for Texas to kind of. Uh, sweeten their deal with the Big 12 and that sort of thing. So I don't think the Longhorn Network will become operational anymore. But, yeah, no, the SEC Network will still have games, and uh, we'll see what kind of games they get, what time slots, that sort of thing. But I, I don't think too much will change with the SEC Network. Yes, as well, because with the SEC Network, it's an affiliate of ESPN. So I know they've been doing a lot of different games over the years. And uh, some of the games are, like, very, you know, very interesting to me as well. But I think with the SEC, I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually looking at the SEC expanding as well with Arc, uh, with Texas and Oklahoma uh, coming to the SEC. But where do you see Alabama, Georgia, and Florida when those two teams actually come to the SEC? Do you see Alabama moving uh, to the west, I mean, to the east division of the SEC, or do you see them staying in the west division as um, as things uh, look up for Alabama as well? 
Yeah, and there will not be divisions anymore starting next year. They're all going to be one big conference of 16. Uh, Again, no east and west or any division of the sort. That's why they're arguing about how to rotate the schedule, if they're going to play eight conference games or nine, if they're going to have one protected rivalry a team or three. Uh, So, yeah, the days of the divisions are over after this year. Yes, because I mean that. I mean, for the East and West divisions, I know that's kind of you know kind of like an old thing in the past right now. But I'm trying to see like where we actually stand. If we're standing on the East side of the of the bracket, or are we on the West side of the bracket as well? Because when I'm looking at these games, I'm looking at Auburn playing against Georgia, or Auburn playing against Florida, or Auburn playing against. Vanderbilt, and when we play these games, do these games actually be like you know with the uh, prediction schedules? Do they actually predict the actual game uh, scores when the game actually is being played as well? Because I think with Alabama and Georgia, when they played in the uh, in the SEC title game, I thought that was going to be favored in Georgia, but. People here in Tuscaloosa were saying that Auburn, that Alabama won that one, so I don't know what was the motive there. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know which uh, which year they're talking about. I mean, it's very well uh, likely that that's going to be a game that happens here again in a few weeks in Atlanta, and that's where the SEC championship game will continue to be. That does not be, that is not dictated by who the better team is or or higher ranked or anything like that. That game has been in Atlanta for a long time. It will continue to be in Atlanta for a long time. It's just with no divisions. I mean, it's going to be the top two teams. So they, they might be two teams out west. They might be two in the east. Uh, but, there, again, there's, there's no divisions anymore. So kind of the geography element of it is over with. Yes, as well, because I know when uh, Tennessee actually played in um, – they actually played – the University of Tennessee actually played their first game in Bristol, Tennessee, at the local NASCAR track. And a lot of NASCAR fans were very upset with that because I don't know why would they actually, you know, compare, like, um, combine two sports with, like, the SEC and the NASCAR um, racing as well because I thought that was just a weird weird atmosphere to actually see uh, two sports being played. Uh, And, you know, seeing a college football uh, field being played inside of a racetrack, um, you know, I, I don't see where was that going as well. So I thought that was very confusing to me. Well, well James, just to be clear, they, they did not have the race going on during that football game. I mean, they, 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 they obviously had the stands and that sort of thing, but they did not actually have a race during the, the Tennessee football game. If you'll recall, they actually did – a uh, exhibition race in the L.A. Coliseum the last couple of years, which obviously is a football stadium that they converted into a track there. So, no, they're just they're just kind of swapping out the uses there, being multi-use. But no, that does not mean they were going on at the same time. Yeah, because I know when they do like big games, like the one in New York, um, you know, I know they play like when they play like the big games up there in New York for um, like a bowl game or something and they always play those games in a baseball stadium and people looking at that i mean why would they want to do that i know it's been done 
in history for a long time, but I just probably see uh, college football uh, being one of the best uh, sports ever. But, I mean, when when they actually, uh, like when the SEC Network always do like the 150 years of college football, they always talk about like different games, like the rivalry games. And some of the games are not actual games. They're just, like I don't know where they're I don't know where the people for the SEC network are getting their information from. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't know either, man. Uh, I, I I honestly don't know either. All right, James, we've only got another minute or two with you here, so uh, give us some final thoughts for us today. Well, the only final thoughts I actually have is I'm actually going to be watching two NBA basketball games tonight, and I'm just going to see how this tournament is actually going to how this tournament is actually going to turn out. And this one is a really um, special uh, basketball tournament because due to uh, Veterans Day weekend, the NBA is uh, partnering partnering with um, veterans uh, that are going to be, uh, you know, being honored in tonight's games as well for NBA playoffs. Yeah, uh, I know Veterans Day coming up here, but – I think they do have the in-season tournament going on through the whole month of November, and uh, they will continue to have really great matchups, and we'll see how the the tournament goes. All right. Sounds good, guys, and I'll talk to you all on Thursday. War Eagle. War Eagle. We'll uh, talk to you tomorrow, which is Friday. That's James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to head to our next timeout. When we come back, we'll go straight back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Also, welcome on. D.P. Hammock to the show. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call live from the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department on Tiger 95.9. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app live from the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, T.P. Hammock has just joined us, and also Mr. Tom Peavy has joined us here. Uh, I think this is the correct day to call you Captain Peavy, good sir, <laughs> uh, as uh, we are here at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department. Here for the annual chili dinner, we've been uh, talking already about it, but uh, we're getting... We're getting all set up here. There's been a lot of moving parts here last hour, hour and a half that we've been here. And so, again, Tom, uh, take us through what's going on this evening and, again, some of the great prizes, again, we've been alluding to. And I've also got an announcement of another prize to add to it uh, this evening. Well, yeah, and uh, glad to be with you guys. Glad that y'all are here again. And uh, 
Yeah, we're kind of in the countdown. If I sound like I'm out of breath, it's because I am. <laughs> I have been running all over this station and all over parts of town today trying to get stuff set up. And we got the table set up. The chairs are set up. Uh, the guys are out here getting the trucks all nice and clean for everybody to come and, and see us. So, uh, yeah, big event here at Southwest. Uh, we'll have the all-you-can-eat chili. We'll have live music, door prizes, raffle prizes, uh, just a lot of uh, a fun night of camaraderie with everybody coming here inside the station and, and hanging out with us. And it's for a good cause, uh, as I've mentioned. It, you know, Southwest, we're a, we're a 100% volunteer fire department, and uh, we're a small volunteer fire department. So, uh, you know, fire departments in cities get really big budgets, and then a lot of the larger volunteer fire departments have big budgets. And we don't, uh, and so we, we put on these, this fundraiser each year to try to raise funds for the department. Uh, it helps us purchase equipment, upgrade equipment. Uh, it helps us to uh, just do general things at the fire station that we need uh, to, to operate. And so we, it's for a good cause, and uh, it's fun. It's a fun night, but it also is for that good cause. And, uh, you know, we appreciate all the help that everybody has, has given us and, and Tiger Communications and Sports Call has always been one of those. It's been a big supporter of uh, Southwest Fire Department and this chili dinner. And, Tom, I, I know that, again, uh, hoping for a big crowd, obviously. We've had good crowds here right. even with uh, with rain, and this is not going to be any sort of bad weather night. It's going to be a beautiful weather night. Yeah. But, again, tell people beyond just the, uh, obviously, the chili, which is the main thing, but... Again, what all can be enjoyed, I guess, here right. uh, at the fire department tonight? Uh, so, yeah, you'll, you'll have the chili, uh, and then, uh, like I said, we'll have some live music going, so you get the music side of it. Uh, one of our trucks will have everything open on display, and so we'll have somebody out there that uh, can show you everybody around the truck and, and look and see all the equipment that we have. Uh, we'll have uh, the, the fire department. The, the, uh, it's the general fire department mascot, Sparky. We'll make an appearance, uh, and uh, we'll have things set up for the kids to come and try on uh, the, the outfits that we wear and, and do different things like that. And so uh, it, it's, it's a fun time, and then, of course, we're, we'll be giving away some prizes. Uh, the biggest prize that we'll be raffling off is a uh, shotgun that has been uh, donated to us by the firing pin over in Opelika. Uh, kind of our grand prize that we've been doing for the last several years. Uh, now, to be clear... If you win it, you don't get to walk out the door. You still have to go to the firing pin and go through background checks and, and all that fun stuff. So uh, if you're not eligible to own a firearm, you may win it, but you may not be able to get the gun if you're not eligible to own a firearm. So that's if there's ever any concern about that, you still have to go through the proper channels to actually get the shotgun in your hands. So, uh, but we're also giving out a, a, a Yeti cooler, and we also have this really cool Blackstone griddle that we're giving out. Uh, and then uh, a guy, um, we met him. We met him at uh, the syrup shop over in Lochapoca, and he he runs a company called Dave's Cave, and he does these big woodworking things. And he has this beautiful uh, thin red line wood uh, plaque that he's going to donate to us that we're going to give away. And uh, and then of course, uh, Ryan, you can you can tell us what what Sports Call has provided for us to give away as well. Well, also we've added to it as I believe we did last year too. Four tickets to the Auburn and New Mexico State game uh, next Saturday, and uh, that way the family and the kids can go right. 
uh, go out and do that. So that will be raffled off. Absolutely. Uh, you know, what, what's the raffle cost to get into it? Or uh, five dollars. Yeah. Five dollars per raffle so. ticket. Uh, and then there, and then we're going to have other prizes, door prizes. Um, Palm Beach Tan has uh, helped us out with some uh, gift certificates. Uh, we've got some other gift certificates from other businesses uh, and some other items that will be given away for door prizes. So. Uh, if you come here and show up, you, you have a chance to win. Uh, even if it's not the raffle prize, you still have a chance to win if you're sure. here at the door. You do not have to be present to win the raffle, but you do have to be present if you want a door prize. Right. That, that would be the whole reason it's a door prize. Right. Is come in, sit down, and enjoy food, and you may win something. So, uh, uh, But I, I do have to mention this. Like I said, we, um, <clears throat> we can't do this without the support of... of so many generous uh, individuals and uh, companies that helped, have helped us out. Like I mentioned, we're a volunteer fire department. Our budget is very small. Uh, when we put this on, we do have to put a certain amount of money into it. So we go out and we get sponsorships to help kind of cut down on our cost of that so that, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, in the business aspect of things, we're trying to get a profit. That's why it's a fundraiser. It's not just us spending a lot of money to put on a dinner we do spend money on it but we try to get these sponsors to to help us out and uh it's a lot and uh we we have uh what's called a lieutenant level sponsor um flight foods archer porta potty mobile home service center palm beach tan east alabama cornhole fat daddy's uh auburn army rotc philly connection stone mountain builders and jld enterprises our lieutenant sponsors, captain sponsors, uh, captain level sponsors, Beasley Construction, Cadence Bank, CJ Towing, and Rourke Plumbing. Then we have chief level sponsors, Tyler Animal Hospital, Niffers, The Plains Landscaping, Auburn Reprographics, and Redline Stump Grinding. And then finally, our board level sponsors, uh, William Toothaker of Alpha Insurance and Sports Call Auburn. So, uh... A that's of, a lot yes, of sponsors, but that's how we make this happen. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we make this happen because uh, we have the companies and individuals that are willing to help, whether it be donating actual money as a sponsor, um, you know, Philly Connection. Every year, they, the, that family are, are so kind to all first responders here. They, we take, we take uh, five or six coolers, uh, drink coolers, over to them. And they make fresh tea for us. And so they provide tea and cups. Uh, Niffers provides uh, a lot of the ground beef that goes into the chili. Uh, Flight Foods has um, donated a lot of food and everything for us. So it's, uh, it's a team effort, not only just everybody here at the fire station that puts in the work for months and months and months to get this organized, but team effort from all these sponsors that really donate so much to us to allow this event to take place. Yeah, absolutely, and it's so great to see, uh, in a way, the entire community come together, absolutely. too. Because, I mean, look, I, I was thinking about it, and this is such a simple thing, but there's a lot of good causes out there, but there's nothing more precious than human life, and firefighters right. are, are part of the protectors of that. Sure. And, and uh, what you guys do, what everyone does here, um, with obviously police, but then in this particular instance, the, the fire department, and there's nothing more important than life and, and sure. saving a life. And so it's it's uh, very important to help y'all out in any way that, that the community can. And, again, that's, that's a lot of great businesses there that are, are helping out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, it's it's a volunteer fire department, and, it, and it's 
Uh, the majority of our roster is very young, as, as you guys know. Sitting here, I mean, it's a lot of younger. I was going to say we, we've gone to the the, the pool to get some uh, talent for the uh, Thunder Chickens here recently. That, that's right, <laughs> we, we have. So, uh, but um, it, it's a younger crowd. Uh, the vast majority of our roster are Auburn University students, and uh, you know, I, I always like to make you know the the whole kind of deal of. These are men and women that could be sitting in the Haley Center in a class one minute, and 30 minutes later, they're fighting a fire. They're rescuing somebody out of a car accident. Uh, in other situations, you know, being, it's quote unquote, you know, it's a volunteer fire department. When the tornadoes hit Beauregard, we were some of the first on the front lines there in Beauregard. So again, these are students that you know, one moment they're in the Haley Center, the next moment they're in Beauregard in a major national disaster scene that's what we do uh and so yes it's a volunteer fire department but we do all the things that the paid guys do uh it's just our you know our lives is we don't get paid to do this we have other jobs other lives outside of career firefighting uh but we still do all the same stuff Uh, the dangers are real uh the excitement of what we do is real and uh it's it, you know it, it's a fire department, but we're volu- we're a small volunteer fire department, and we have to have help, and that's why we do this. And like I said, all of those companies I read off, uh, and then everybody that shows up to to come and eat dinner with us, it helps us. It helps the entire fire department, and it helps the entire part of Southwest Lee County because the more we have, the more we're able to provide for for the citizens out there that that need our help. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, again, I, it just this is one of the most important things I think that uh, we certainly do is, is right. trying to, to come out here and show our support in whatever way we can. And again, we certainly encourage everyone to come out here. We have a few giveaways too if, if people get here a little bit early. Uh, again, we uh, on top of the four tickets we have. Uh, donated for the raffle night. We have two tickets of our own uh, to give away for someone that comes by here early and says hello to us. So, again, there's a lot of reasons to come by. I want to ask you one lighthearted question. Yeah. Uh, And I think this is a question JJ has asked in the past, (laughs) but I don't recall the answer. And and to be fair, I'm not here for the full two hours uh, every single time that the event goes on. I heard the scanner going off as we were pulling up today right. uh, and, and getting set up. Ha- have you ever been called out yes. during the chili dinner? Yeah. How, so how, how did that go? How, so, well, so um, I know we, you can't talk about the event necessarily, but, but just what, yeah, or what well, yeah. the cause was. But um, I mean, so we, we've kind of got this down to a, a science, I guess, as uh-huh. much as you can. Uh, and so uh, basically everybody has a truck assignment for the night and each truck has a specific call type that they would go to so if it's a medical call there's one vehicle that goes to a medical call a fire is going to be three different vehicles hopefully we don't get a fire because if we do then we're going to be cleaning out the majority of our our staff here going to do that but that's also we we have to take care of what we got to take care of because we are still a working fire department even though we're putting this event on uh but everybody each individual has a, a truck that they're assigned to so if a call goes out we know the type of call and everybody knows what truck they're supposed to be on they'll hop on the truck they'll go take care of what they got to then come back uh it, it's it's down to a science like i said sure now me i will not be getting on a truck because i am the uh i'm the master of ceremonies i'm the mm-hmm. guy that gets up on the stage and 
uh, meets and greets and shakes hands and kind of the guy that is the 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 go-to focal point. I shouldn't say focal. It's not right. Not a focal point, but uh, the head. Contact the point. Contact or, point. Yeah, yeah. That contact point sounds good. Um, so, no, I won't be getting on a truck. I, I'm, I'm the guy that will stay behind uh, no matter what the call is and make sure that this thing is still running even – like I said, if we if we were to get a fire and we have the majority of our folks go, we have to have somebody staying behind to make sure that the uh, that the, the machine is still rolling, and that's my job. Let, let me ask you, Tom, for you know, folks, you know, we, we talk about how you need, you know, you guys are always in need of funds and everything. Right. Tell the folks out there how many, what's the average calls that y'all respond to per week for for all three vehicles? Uh, what I can tell you is, uh, usually on average for a year, we oh. run around 600, 650 wow. calls throughout a year. Uh, it, you know, it really varies by like week by week. It varies. Uh, we could have, we could have a week where we're running an insane amount of calls. Mm. We, we may run 20, 30 calls in a week and then we'll have another week where we may have one or two, or I think we've even, it's very rare to have a week that we don't have a call, sure. but um, you know, we'll have days where we'll have six, and we'll have days that we have nothing, and it's just it's it's one of those hit and miss things. Um, you know, we serve a big area about fifty five square miles, including part of I eighty five, uh, from about the exit fifty to the Macon County line, Lee County Macon County line. So we have a lot of area with stuff that goes on, but it's also not such a large area that there's always something mm. going on somewhere. Uh, so. You know, it, it's one of those things. But about 600 calls wow. annually is, is what we're looking at. Uh, that's, that's crazy stuff for sure. Tom Peavy here with us today. Obviously, you hear him Monday yeah. through Wednesday on this show, but also some of those nights he goes here to the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department where we are right now. Tom, we appreciate you. Yep. I'm sure we'll probably hear from you at least one more time before the show's off, but uh, we're right. excited to be here today, and we thank you, sir. Absolutely. And, and one other thing I want to mention, um, and we have it set up. It's actually right behind the table here. Uh, this is our first chili dinner without uh, without Bubba Sorensen. Uh, Bubba was a, a fixture here at the department for, for many years. And, in fact, uh, we, we had a little kind of back and forth with him and J.J. last year mm-hmm. because he was uh, Alabama's strongest man. Yeah. And then, uh, unfortunately, uh, Bubba lost his life in a car accident back several months ago. Uh, he was a, an Opelika firefighter and a, a member of Southwest Fire Department. And so this is our first year without Bubba, and uh, in his honor, we have his gear that he wore is set up here right behind uh, Ryan, and, and we have the uh, uh, the uh, the creed that that uh, was talked about at his funeral and everything. So uh, I have to mention that that we have a nice little setup for to honor Bubba as we're. Uh, Going through our, our first chili dinner without without the big guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up for sure. We are out of time for hour number one. Tom, we'll talk to you a little bit later in Absolutely. the program. Sports Call will continue on with more of your phone calls right after this. Time out. One hour of our show is in the books. 
We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger FM, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and soon T.P. Hammock here in just a second. Cam Berry running the board, taking your phone calls back in our Tiger Communications studios. And that is because we are live at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department here as uh, we get ready for another annual chili dinner. And, again, Tom was just on talking about it a little bit, our, our very good friend and uh, three-time-a-week show co-host Tom Peavy, who's also the captain here at the Southwest Volunteer, Volunteer Fire Department. Again, we're here for the chili dinner starting at 6 o'clock. We are here till 6 o'clock, and we want you to come by and say hello to us. We've got a few giveaway bags. Again, the first person, too, to come say hello to us. Uh, we'll also have two tickets to Auburn and New Mexico State for it next weekend. Also, there will be raffling off four tickets to Auburn, New Mexico State here. So a $5 raffle ticket could win you that. could also win you uh, the shotgun from the fire, firing department, or from the firing pin, excuse me. Of course, background check. We're in a fire department. <laughs> We're in the firing department. Uh, fire department. You've got me. <laughs> oh, no. I, I've, you, you can't get me with that in hour number two, man. There's way too much time left to be giggling. <laughs> uh, and so you got that. You've also got other great giveaways in the raffle uh, and also door prizes, which, of course, you need to come to the door to get $10 tickets tonight for all-you-can-eat chili, and a good time will be had by all. T.P. Hammock with us today on this Thursday. T.P., you've been usually our callers are patiently waiting. You've been patiently waiting, but it's good to have you on the show today. How are you? Talk about a tough act to follow with Tom there. Uh, it's great. Captain Peavy when we're in his house. <laughs> My bad. Captain Peavy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I've been doing well. Took a test today. Uh, yeah, I feel good about it. All right. A lot a, of writing. A, a lot of writing, but my hand's not a claw this time, unlike last time about a month ago. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to be getting off here at 5. got to go cover a high school football game out in Montgomery because a lot of games got moved in observance of Veterans Day on Friday. But uh, feeling great and can't wait to get to talk to uh, our callers and get ready to talk some NFL as we always do on Thursday. Absolutely. So let's get to it here in our number two. And let's start by going to the orthopedic clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up here in hour number two. Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. And, you know, uh, I can almost smell chili all the way down here. Uh, in <laughs> oh, County. absolutely. Yeah, you feel a little, so is, little uh, bit of warmth. Is, yep. Is Captain Thomas, he uh, in charge of uh, stirring the, the pot? Uh, no, I, he, he does not quite stir the, the pot there. But, well, uh, he, it depends on which context you're talking. Well, <laughs> <laughs> in both, both contexts. 
There you go. Certainly at least one. Okay. Well, um, good to have you on the show again, Mr. T.P. Hammock. And I understand Cam is answering the phone today. Is that right? Yes, sir. He's back in our studios. Okay. Well, I have a special quest. Uh, Cam did not put me up to this, but I hope you guys will see fit to save him a bowl of chili. <laughs> uh, we, we will try. We will try. Okay. All right, guys. You said it's NFL Thursday, right? Uh, yes, sir. All right. Well, then why don't we get to the headline that uh, came to my attention, and that is from Bleacher Report says, is Sunday Belichick's final game? I saw that one, too. I saw I that. I want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, going to get Brooks uh, very depressed here. What do you guys think? They'll be playing the Colts in Germany. Uh, I, is, if he loses this one, uh, it will be a, a really, really uh, remarkable losing season for him. Yeah, it, here's my thoughts. I, I would still find it hard to believe they would move on from him in the middle of the season. I do think that his days are becoming numbered. I just think that the writing is starting to be put on the wall and that they have just not figured out how to operate post-Brady and they have continued to have poor draft uh, draft classes. I think that if you wanted to, I've talked about it with Brooks, I think he would agree with this part of it. Uh, in fact, I know he agrees with this part of it. I think that your next step would probably be to just tell Belichick, hey, let's try the coaching thing for a little bit longer, but please relinquish the GM duties, and, and let's, let's try a path forward with that, because I think that there is no debating he has done a poor job in recent years uh, with the roster management part of it. And, and so, anyway, it's a complex issue. This guy's won a hell of a lot of games, second most in the history of the NFL. Uh, he's won the six Super Bowls. He's been to, what, eight total uh, or nine total, eight, nine, whatever. You lose count. It's been so many. And, and so it is a legend of the sport, with or without Brady, whatever. It's still a legend of the sport. So it makes it a delicate situation. So that's why I'm surprised if he's if he's fired in the middle of the season. But I do think that it is coming to an end there with New England. Well, you give me your thoughts, especially yourself, uh, too, Brooks. Uh, how did the mastermind that he uh, has always been honest to be, how did it come to this? How, how did this fall? They've become so, um, so 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 dramatic. I uh, I think it it really just looks. You look at one side of the ball, and I think it's the offensive side of the ball. You you look at defense, and you know, uh, Ryan talked about it. The the draft classes have never been the the phenomenal ones uh, that Bill Belichick has put together. Now you look at it. He he finds some good gems. There are some really good pieces that he finds. There was a a, a wide receiver or not a wide receiver, a cornerback this year, Christian Gonzalez, who who was drafted, and he was having a, a phenomenal year. Got hurt. Uh, I think it. Was either an ankle or a knee injury that put him out for the year, but he was a phenomenal pick. And he has Bill Belichick has about one per draft where it's like that's a really good pick. That's somebody that you know he didn't see uh, that no you know not a lot of other people saw it. He was able to grab them. There's there's at least one per draft, but as a whole, the draft classes just haven't been great. Uh, I think one big thing, and it, it's you know it's because of Tom Brady that Bill Belichick was able he's still trying to do what he did with Brady and it just doesn't work when you've got the best quarterback of all time uh with Brady you could throw in really 
anybody at, at wide receiver, anybody at running back. You could throw in some B and C level guys uh, at the skill positions, and Tom Brady's going to make them look better. I mean, you, you know, you, you look at some of those teams that he had at the end of his uh, his run in New England. There was not a lot of talent on that, uh, or not a lot of A level talent on that on the offensive side of the ball, uh, outside of the offensive line, and Tom Brady. And they were making playoffs. They were making runs at the at the Super Bowl almost every single year. He's gone. You bring in, you know, you brought in Cam Newton for a year. That experiment went wrong. And then you bring in uh, Mac Jones here, and it was fine the first year for Mac Jones. You lose the offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels. He goes and takes the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders job. And then after that, it's you you don't have a consistent uh, offensive coordinator that can that can help elevate Mac Jones. But also, Mac Jones is not the type of quarterback. That can elevate those players around him like a Tom Brady could. I think you know. There, I think there is talent there with Mac Jones. I think he can be an NFL starting quarterback. Can he be a Pro Bowl level and a, and a Super Bowl winner? I'm not sold on it, but I think he can be an NFL starting quarterback if you give him the pieces. But right now, there's not somebody on that on the offensive side of the ball that is an A-level guy. Uh, you, you, Ramondre Stevenson's a good running back. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott was a great running back a few years ago. He's not the same running back he was in those peak years at uh, at Dallas. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, he was he was a fine wide receiver at Pittsburgh. He's he's taken some steps back. He's he's not the same wide receiver you saw there. And so I, to Ryan, what Ryan said, I think the the biz, biggest thing for Belichick would be for Robert Kraft and uh, Jonathan Kraft to go to him after the season and say, hey, we want to keep you around. We respect that you are the second most winningest head coach in NFL history, but you've got to let us put somebody else there at GM. You can still have some say because, like I said, there are some guys that, that Belichick finds in that draft that it's like, wow, where did he find this guy? Like, this is this is great. And, I, and a lot of people, you know, you every time he makes a, uh, a pick, you're like, man, is this, like, is, is he a genius again, like, here? But it's it's just you, you, you've got to have somebody else in there. Uh, I heard it described a, a little bit earlier, uh, or not a little on, a, on another show, uh, one of the national shows, you know, when you've got the GM, people, the, the players know that's where the paycheck comes from, is the general manager and the president. When it's also the head coach, it's a, it, it makes that, that relationship a little weird and a little difficult uh, in, in NFL circles. And so if you can get that separation between Belichick and the GM, and you can have uh, some more separation there, I'm not saying that the Patriots get back to a to an to a uh, the the stage where they're competing for for Super Bowls, but you can have a, a, a scenario where Bill Belichick finishes out his career at New England and uh, gets back to you know making uh, runs at some playoff spots. Okay, well, thanks for that short all response. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I got really passionate there. Uh, I heard it. So, would it be fair unfair to say that it was Brady that made Mr. Belichick look like the genius? Well, I mean, I think that you, I, I think you always got to be careful giving one part of it a hundred percent credit. I do think clearly the player matters more. Uh, I, I think that was proven when you walk into Tampa, you you win a Super Bowl year one and COVID and all that, and then the second Brady leaves. By the way, Tampa's starting to go right back to being Tampa again. So, uh, I, I think the, I'm the player for you. Yeah, well, you know, I, I expected. I loved my three years, and then I'll, I'll have three good years in about twenty years from now. So that, that's how it goes. But 
you know, I, I think that, again, to say that Belichick meant nothing is way overdoing it because he did offer a great defensive mind. Uh, he clearly took other opposing teams and quarterbacks out of their elements from time to time. And so he, he you know, I, I don't know in other situations where Brady goes and, and what successes look like there, and if you throw him here, how many Super Bowls and that sort of thing. But I certainly think that Belichick, and especially early on, I mean, we got to remember that the first couple of Super Bowls, I mean, it was like really low-scoring games. Brady was solid, but it was not he was not necessarily the reason they won. So, again, I, I think that Brady was clearly more important. I think players are clearly more important. But I, I do think that it's an equation, and it's not just one factor. And so I think that Belichick still absolutely meant something to it. All right. Guys, uh, stick to the SEC. Uh, have you seen the uh, scheduling for baseball uh, starting in 2025? Yes. Yes. The two permanent uh, teams for everybody? Yes. Were you surprised by any permanent opponents for the SEC teams? Well, I was certainly not uh, surprised by Auburn's. I mean, I think that Alabama is, is obvious, and then Georgia. I mean, look, I, I respect it. I, I know that that rivalry does not mean as much down the line in other sports the way Alabama continues to in all sports. I mean, if Auburn plays Alabama in, in chess, I think we're all going to care about it and prefer Auburn to win. But, I, you know, I think that – uh, with the Georgia element of it, look, I mean, there's not anything else that just stares at you. Other teams have to play their rivals or big matchups, and I think from a strength of schedule standpoint, I mean, talking about Alabama, who's a middle program in the league, and Georgia, who's quite honestly maybe below that, probably a bottom program in, in SEC baseball now. Again, that they're all pretty good in <laughs> baseball, but, I mean, you can't just slap a Vandy at the bottom of it in baseball. That's their specialty. So, yeah, I think that from difficulty-wise, it's pretty good for Auburn. And, look, I don't think anyone's going to complain about playing uh, your biggest rival in Alabama and then Georgia, who still, I mean, is a rival even if it's more important in football. Is this a predictor of what – the football permanent opponents will be. No, I don't think so because it's just a different. It's a different deal. I don't think there's really a, a scenario where there's only two. I think the scenarios are there's only one or there's three. Uh, and, and so at, we all know if there's only one common opponent or constant opponent, it's going to be Auburn and Alabama. If there's three, then yes, I think Georgia is one of those next two. Who they do the third? Is it a third rival? Is it a is it a balancer? You know, that's, that's to be determined. And, again, quite frankly, the momentum for nine games, thus that three-plus-six model, has been quieted over the last few months. And it, it has agitated me. That is my clear preference is to have nine and have the three-plus-six. But uh, it, they are trending towards a one-constant seven rotating on the eight-game model. And so that one will, will obviously be Alabama if you're offering. And, Steve, I'll, I'll tell you one, one other thing is I hope that it's not an indicator uh, because if you look at it, the, uh, to go back to your previous question, the one thing that I had a problem with looking at it is the SEC, uh, they, they started doing this when Texas A&M and Missouri came into the league. They continued to discount that Arkansas-LSU rivalry. Arkansas and LSU are not permanent uh, a permanent fixture on there. I, think, I don't remember who LSU has, but Arkansas plays Ole Miss and Missouri as their two permanent, uh, their, yeah, their two permanent teams. Too. I thought LSU would be in there. Yeah, and and what you know if, if you look at the scale of baseball, would you rather see 
Arkansas play Ole Miss every year or Arkansas play LSU every year. Quite often, the the SEC runs through either Fayetteville or Baton Rouge when it comes to baseball when Florida is not uh, thrown in there too. But those two programs are historic programs, and they're not playing each other every year. That's the one that that I found the problem with. So that's why I hope that it's it's not an indication about you know who the common opponents could be because that would be a shame if the SEC continues to kind of discount that rivalry. Okay, uh, Ryan, just real quickly, um, what is leading you, what are you hearing? Because uh, I haven't read anything on 24 Sports that they might not go with the nine-team uh, format. Well, I mean, let's start with what we all know, which is what happened back at the spring meetings in May, uh, which, by the way, saying spring in May to me doesn't always correlate. But anyway, uh, that's a, a side note, May into June, honestly. The spring meetings, I mean, going into the week, it seemed like at least a free throw, if not a layup, that it was going to be a nine-game model and then very likely the three-plus-six part of it. And we left the week with a pretty even split with clear momentum towards these teams that are at eight are way more committed to eight uh, than maybe even the teams that want nine are. And you've got now some of the likes of Nick Saban and, and some of the prominent schools wanting eight. And so I, I I don't know if they'll be able to force it to nine or not. I think Greg Sankey's desire is nine. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I can't tell what Auburn's desire necessarily is. I think I think the public here want nine. I don't know necessarily what what John Cohen or, or what Hugh Freeze are, are exactly wanting. But I just think that when you piece together that it ended up being pretty much a wash at spring uh, at spring meetings, and then you just continue to hear uh, the likes of Nick Saban say that the preference is eight, it, it's going to be hard to, to move them off of that for now. Okay. I'll take it real, real quickly. Uh, maybe I'll have time tomorrow. About the upcoming game Saturday, guys. Yeah. Uh, everybody's predicting – uh, some really close uh, scoring here, yes. and uh, Mr. Phil uh, Steele saw yeah. his pick. Uh, his pick, he calls it a situational play pick. Uh, do you know who he picked? I don't. I don't know. I didn't see his pick. Yeah, uh, well, I caught it on his website. Uh, he's picked uh, Arkansas, and his justification for that was because of uh, uh, Jefferson, the quarterback. And of Mr. Rocket Sanders. Yes. Um, your your thoughts or comments? Well, I mean that would have been the pick certainly in the preseason before uh, we know what we knew now. But here's the thing: is that Rocket Sanders was hurt a lot this year. That KJ Jefferson was bogged down in an offense that wasn't conducive for the best version of himself. And so Arkansas might finally, at least did last week, might finally start to function more like the team. That was projected to win about seven or so games in the preseason. So I, I think that you're kind of rolling off what you saw in Gainesville last week, that, hey, in a vacuum, Rocket Sanders, top three running back in the league. K.J. Jefferson, certainly an experienced quarterback in the league, probably still ranking top five or six overall. And, and, and so I think you're going with, yeah, they've just decided to scrap everything about the first eight games of the year. And, again, Rocket Sanders did play last week and ran for 100 yards. So, uh, I think you're just going with the, the Florida game there. Yeah, and uh didn't notice I read it that uh, Mr. Uh, Rocket Sanders, obviously, you know, uh, he may not be 100%, but our guy, uh, he's number one in the SEC in the past three games uh, uh, for, for running backs. 
I didn't. I wasn't even aware that he been ranked that high. Right. Yeah. So obviously the recency uh, bias there is strong for strong for Hunter, and again he has certainly come on strong the last few weeks. But again, we we have talked about the inconsistencies there, so it's not foolproof. But but yeah, they uh, the Auburn's been running the ball much better here of late too. And Steele also mentioned motivational factor. He said that this is a must win for Arkansas. Yes. Not a must-win for Auburn. You guys agree? I agree. I mean, because I think Auburn, Auburn can safely rely on that New Mexico State game for their sixth win, reach, reaching bowl eligibility. If you asked Auburn fans, would you rather win this one or the one at the end of the season? They're going to take the one at the end of the season. But again, Auburn just needed to make sure at the very minimum it made a bowl game this year. And again, for all intents and purposes, it's done that. And then for Arkansas, one more loss, and they have not done that, and they will not do that. And I think that if they go five and seven, I, the noise seems to suggest even at five and seven, even if they upset Missouri at the end of the year or or or, or whatnot, they would probably move on from Sam Pittman. So yeah, I, I definitely think it is a must-win for them. Well, let me ask about that because I read some articles that said it's not necessarily a guarantee that Auburn with a six-six record will have a bowl game to go to. There may be other teams that no, they're going to go bowl game. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, that article was either very, very trying to panic people, or it was just uh, it was flipped because there. If you read Brett McMurphy, who really studies the bowl games, it's very possible there will not be enough teams to fill bowl games. And I assure you, Steve, that if even if there is enough teams plus one or two, they ain't leaving out Auburn from the SEC over someone like New Mexico State or or Coastal Carolina or whatever. So, I, well, it, you, it, I pro- yeah, I hope you're right. Yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking yeah, of James I promise. Mass, and you know, well, you know James Mass has made another appeal. Yeah, I mean, but but even but. Brett McMurphy has talked about even with that appeal and even if JSU becomes eligible, they're still potentially one or two short again. again. So the 6-6 six and six Power 5 conference team is not the team getting left out again, I, I assure you. Okay, all right. And finally, this comes from Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports. Apparently Michigan um, has sent a letter to the Big Ten commissioner uh, saying that it just went against Jim Harbaugh would exceed, according to their uh, quote, the commission's authority under the sportsmanship policy and that the league uh, apparently is in breach of the Big Ten handbook. All right. Uh, so where is this going to go, guys? How is it going to end up? Who's going to have the, the final Messy. Thing? It's going to be messy, and someone's going to be mad. And I hope that mad is Michigan, uh, quite frankly. Uh, I just – I mean, look, when you are accused of wrongdoing, you're going to try to throw the book and vice versa. I mean, that, that's how that's how litigation goes. That's also how rule-breaking goes. And, I mean, yeah, Michigan's got Michigan, – and, and to be fair, I'll give Michigan this. If you're accused of wrongdoing, nine times out of ten, you're not just going to sit there and take it and be like, yeah, take my great season away from me, take my last couple years away from me. So, look, I understand it, but that doesn't mean we have to necessarily agree with it or – think it has of great merit that should change the game for them no i mean it's again the stallion stuff is clear we're just trying to figure out to what extent of which it seems to be a great extent so again i they're fine to try to hurl the book at the big 10 to try to protect themselves or the NCAA or whatever but that does not mean mean it deserves a better outcome for them and that's what i thought too but then this oh and i'll this is my last comment Ross Delger added this. He said that Michigan's letter sets the stage 
for legal action against the Big Ten. Uh, right. I'm just wondering what what kind of legal action can they take? This is the, I mean, can this really go to court? I mean, if they feel like they were done wrong and that that it broke the league's bylaws, then I mean that that does hold some weight, and that 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 opens yourself up to that. And I have not read every single bylaw, so I don't know which one they're poking at. I mean, forgive me for not reading the Big Ten's bylaws. I don't even know most of the SECs. But I mean, look, if you did break law or not law, if you did break their uh, bylaws and and uh, what's supposed to be contracted between the schools and agreed upon between the schools and the league, then yeah, I mean, there, there's going to be, could be repercussion for that, but I'm not sure in which way that would have happened. Okay, uh, I know our women's basketball team is playing tonight. Uh, should yes. they be favored? Yes. Playing Louisiana, yes, they should be favored. Okay, that's all I've got, guys. Well, I just wish uh, I could uh, I smell like chili. I wish I had some. But anyway, <laughs> yes, that said, uh, I know you guys are having a good time, so uh, enjoy uh, the uh, the bowl of chilies or how many bowls you're going to eat. And please tell Mr. Tom Peavy, I said, uh, War Eagle. So until tomorrow night, guys, or tomorrow afternoon, War Eagle to you guys. War Eagle, Steve, appreciate that phone call. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to head to our first time out here of the 4 o'clock hour. When we come back, we'll get into a little NFL, get into some other Auburn stuff, also more of your phone calls. If you'd like to give us a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We are live from the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department. Come say hello. The chili dinner starting at 6 o'clock. We're here till 6 o'clock on Tiger 95.9. need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, which in this case would not help you as much because that means you cannot partake in the event tonight. Coming up here at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department, which is where we are right now. Also known off of Wire Road, again, just past the roundabout, uh, just a few minutes from the university. And uh, we want you all to come say hello again. We've got some goodie bags here. First four people to claim them. Got T-shirt, koozie, cup. A couple of them have a special sports call mug in them. Uh, which are very nice. I was say, those have not been given away except for at the Poker Run. We had a few at Poker Run, and those we have not given those away yeah. any other so, time. So although we do have some back at the office still, it's kind of an exclusive because we haven't yeah. been given away. So uh, I absolutely encourage you all. They're so exclusive, I don't even have one. Uh, well, we'll, we will change that. I did not know that. You know, I'll take full responsibility for that. So next week we'll hook you up there back oh, at the station. Okay. But uh because uh, we do have some more back at the station. But so we want you to come and get those giveaways and of course 
6 o'clock, $10 at the door, all-you-can-eat chili. There's going to be live music here, a lot of great community. Again, raffle prizes, door prizes, so please come help support the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department. Again, I can tell you just from being here the last couple of hours, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, and it's really a great night, and I can tell you that from years prior experience as well. All right, so let's transition into a little bit of NFL here on this Thursday. Again, Thursday always kicks off the next NFL week, and boy, do we have a fun one tonight. And uh, TP, I love you, but this game is going to be hard to watch. There's a reason I'm going to a high school right, I was about game. To say, <laughs> I was about to say, even you have decided to cover a, a high school game tonight. But it is the Bears-Panthers. The fun fact is that the uh, same team owns both these teams' picks, and that is the <laughs> Chicago Bears. That might be the best fun fact for you. Uh, no Justin Fields still. Uh, still, excuse me, uh, Bryce Young still looking to play uh, more comprehensive football, uh, throw it to the other team less because he did throw two pick six last week in a 14-point game. That was significant. So uh, I'll give you the floor here, TP. This is your team. Uh, I know you missed Justin Fields. Still got a couple wins on the year, though, and you are favored by three and a half tonight. I can't believe it either. I cannot believe that we are favored in a football game. But, uh, yeah, we got Tyson Bagent under center, and uh, that's been something. Something. It's it's been football. But, but, uh, yeah, we get to play the Panthers. I I did hear this earlier, and I would like to hear both of y'all's opinion. I usually don't throw it out. So, if – Bryce Young and them, they struggle. The Panthers lose, let's say, by like 14, and it's not really that close. Yeah. Do you start to have the conversation, because it's very well regarded around the league that their owner, David Tepper, he's very impulsive. Do you think, not after this game, but do you think that puts Frank Wright firmly on the hot seat if they get kind of manhandled by a team that really shouldn't be without Justin Fields, and they've been very bad this year. So do you all think if uh, the Panthers lose this one that Frank Wright needs to worry a little bit about his job security. You know, normally, look, look. the way I try to do things is I give you two years in the NFL. In the past, I gave you four years in college, but now I give you three years in college just because of the, the dynamic of things has shifted. You do see from time to time coaches get one year in the NFL. It is not the norm, but I'd say for every ten firings, maybe two of them are one-year guys, maybe one, one to two. I think there would be an element of concern that he should be on the hot seat, yes. Because if they end up 2-15 and 15 or something of the sort this year, and we'll just go with that. We'll say they went 1-7 and seven the first half. They'll go about 1-7 and seven the second half. If they go 2-15, and 15, they're going to be the number one pick in the draft. The problem is the Chicago, that means the Chicago Bears will be the number one pick in the draft because you don't have it. And you don't have an obvious path to succeed and to improve right away. And they made a lot of investment in getting Bryce Young. And if there's no proof by the end of the year that Reich is developing that at all, then I think you at least have to consider it. Now, would I, Ryan LaVoy, fire it, fire him? Uh, I don't know, but to be fair, I didn't like him in the first place. So I may be coming at it from a more aggressive standpoint of this wouldn't have been my guy anyway. I didn't think he did a good job in Indianapolis, uh, quite frankly. And so if I don't see any improvement in Young and I see a two-win football team that, again, had it's not like the Cardinals. The Cardinals you can justify with Gannon's first year. Hey, I get my top three, two, five pick, whatever. And Kyler's been hurt. Right, and they've been on a backup all year anyway. And so I can justify that. And I know Carolina's not good. However, 
is anyone in the NFC South truly good? No. New Orleans is okay. Atlanta is doing the least with a good amount. Tampa's just eh. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, like it just it's a it's a poor division overall. Nine wins will probably win it. Ten absolutely will win it. And again, I said it the other day on the show, and I know I'm going too long here, but I said the other day on the show, the NFC South is playing one of the easiest schedules because they're playing the AFC South, which has truly one good team and then a couple okay teams and kind of a team. And then they're playing the NFC North, which same boat. One good team, one kind of a team, and two pretty bad teams, honestly. And so this was not a tough schedule for any of these South teams. And if Carolina does not end up beating any of these teams in the division, getting up to three, four, five wins – uh, and can't beat Chicago tonight, yeah, I think that there is some culpability there from Frank Reich, and, and I would consider firing. I just need Bryce Young to be good tonight. Uh, fantasy at least, quarterback. He's my fantasy yeah, quarterback yeah. this week because Tua's on a bye. So I just need him not to you know throw two pick sixes again this week. That'd be, that'd be phenomenal. We just need passable. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you, Ryan. I, I think that I would normally give a, a coach two years in the NFL to, to get things turned around. Uh, this year, I may, you know, if if you were if if we, you were doing this performance and you had uh, you had your your pick your your first round pick, I think I could reasonably see the the uh, the door there for him to to go another year. Let's say, hey, let's get another first rounder in here. Let's let's see if they can you know add to this roster. The fact that you don't have it, and like you said, they 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 sacrificed a lot to get Bryce Young, and it's just not paid off. And especially when you look at the at the AFC South, and you see what C.J. Stroud is doing in his rookie year, and you could have you could have drafted him instead of going and getting Bryce Young. Um, if you don't see, if you don't see good, you don't see lines of improvement. I think is exactly what you said. Um, I think that you you may. You know, I think there's a there's a reasonable chance you you look somewhere else after this after this season. Yeah, I, I and you know the big part about Frank Wright is he's known for being offensive, and you know he was supposed to be developing Bryce Young, but he's looked worse than he did at Bama. I know people say, well, he's throwing the five stars, right. and he had the five star offensive line, but he looked really good. Like he was incredible, and I understood why he went first. You know, I was a big Stroud fan, but I understood why Young went first. I, I was you know one A one B in my opinion, but. They've just been terrible in offense. Bryce looks like he's regressed more than improved, and uh, it's just been disappointing. And I do think that if they get kind of handled by Tyson Beja and the Bears and they go, like you said, 2-15 and 15 in a bad division, and yeah, I could see that. But uh, my only caution would be is if you're going to fire him, you better have the right replacement ready to go because uh, there's not many, even though, like I said, I don't think he's a great coach, uh, there's not many with – as much experience as Frank Wright. So you better go get like a Ben Johnson or someone like that from uh, Detroit. Yeah, and look, I would add too, I just think Frank Reich has just been overvalued his whole tenure. Look, you say he's got good offenses and that sort of thing, and Indy did have some, but he was always working with veterans. He was working at the end of the career for Philip Rivers, for Matt Ryan, had some Carson Wentz thrown in there. And those guys did, I mean, I get it was the end of the career, but they certainly didn't look themselves. I mean, they looked over the hill every single time. <laughs> and so I just don't, I just, what would you prove to me 
that Frank Reich is absolutely help is, is helping in any situation, any form of a team. You remember this Panthers team last year? Look, I know that this roster is not good. You say, well, Ryan, this roster screams four or five wins. I get it. But last year, Steve Wilkes had them a half away from winning the division. They were going to win the division if Tampa Bay did not come from three possessions down, which, by the way, they wouldn't have if Tom Brady wasn't, again, the coach versus quarterback. I promise you it wasn't Todd Bowles that led them back in that game. It was Tom Brady. So they're a half away with Sam Darnold from winning that division last year, even though it was a terrible record and all that. Well, can you not at least do something more competent in 2-15? and 15? The division's not drastically different. Tampa's a little bit worse. Atlanta's the same. New Orleans is maybe a scotch better because you got Carr in there now. But it, it, it's it's a bad division. So I, I just – you, you got a good point. I, maybe he was carried by uh, Jonathan Taylor. That might be the uh, – that might be the thing to say there is maybe because I didn't even think of that about the quarterbacks, and then I realized he's like, oh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor. So, yeah, I mean, and, and again, even still, it's not like, hey, you went 11 and 6. I mean, you yeah. were still around a 500 program the whole time. So, you know, I think I think both coaches in this game are <laughs> in great trouble. I, I don't think you like Eberflus, do you? I'm not, I'm not an Eberflus guy. I, I honestly hated the hire whenever it happened because the final candidates were Jim Caldwell, coach that I. Very much respect and can't believe he hasn't even gotten he hasn't gotten a head coaching job since. Uh, Brian Dayball, who I was also very very pro for, and then they said Matt Eberflus. I was like, who is this guy? I was like, <laughs> oh, it's the Colts DC that blew the game to the Jaguars, so they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, I was like, he's not going to get the job. Lo and behold, they hired Matt Eberflus, the one guy. I remember I was in class. I literally dropped my phone. I I had to walk out. I was so mad, and I was just. Very, very mad. But, yeah, I, I think both uh, – I think Eberflus is definitely on the hot seat. And uh, I think if Reich loses to Eberflus, I think he will uh, sit next to him on that hot seat. Yeah. Uh, no, again, it. I guess that Colt, Colts uh, coaching staff maybe got a little bit uh, overvalued there all the way around. But, uh, yeah, this game tonight, I mean, the, the reports of Al Michaels being asleep during the game, <laughs> they're only going to grow uh, after this one between the Panthers and the Bears. Again, two teams that will not end up – in the playoff picture come the end of the year. Uh, but, again, for the uh, the Bears, they're, uh, they're more than happy with Carolina's failures as they will own their first overall draft choice uh, in this upcoming draft. We're going to take our next timeout of the show. When we come back, we'll wrap up hour number two, have a little bit more NFL for you, and, again, a little bit later, get a little bit more back on the Auburn side of things, college football side of things, too. But, uh, for now, more NFL coming up. After this timeout, you're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 Live from the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department. call has been on the air since 1995. 
This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger Don FM, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday. Cam Berry running the board and taking your phone calls here as we get close to the conclusion of hour number two. We've got about five or so minutes left in the hour, and then we'll have to depart with uh, – not we will not depart, T.P. <laughs> will have to depart. Uh, I was going to leave you here and have us go into Montgomery <laughs> to cover the game. I'll do it. Uh, but uh, you know, you're going to Gulf Shores yeah, tomorrow. That's, that's right. That's pulling double duty. Yeah, that's plenty <laughs> I can enough. already start my journey, though. Yeah, I know you're trying to avoid the Thursday night game, too, but uh, someone's <laughs> got to watch it, so someone's got to be the t- part of the $10 million that they'll still inevitably get. Anyway, about five minutes left in the show for the second hour. Again, we are live from the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department, the annual chili dinner, getting ready to get underway here in just over an hour. We highly advise you to come by and see us before as we've still got two tickets to give away to Auburn and New Mexico State on Saturday. And then again with the chili dinner starting at 6 o'clock. Tickets are $10. All you can eat chili gets you a drink too. Uh, Live music, great prizes, a lot of reasons to be here to support the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department. Again, they, they really use this as a part of their budget for the year. And it is a very real percentage of the budget each year for their equipment and supplies and that sort of thing. So we really want you to come by and say hello. In these last few minutes with TP, I'm going to throw it to you, sir. Again, we talk NFL each and every Thursday. Just talked about the Thursday night game. What other games catching your eye this weekend? So uh, NFL, of course. I would have to say the Texans and the Bengals. It's not because of I, – I, I don't think the Texans are going to win. But I want to see how Stroud does after having – such a great performance, best rookie performance of a quarterback in the NFL history. How do you bounce back against a contender? Because at the end of the day, they are in the AFC South, and it's the Jaguars who have been pretty good after um, after some early season woes, and uh, it's kind of y'all. So you're 4-4, four and four, and if you beat the Bengals who have been red hot, you can start to make your way towards trying to get into playoff contention, which at the beginning of the season, no one would have said the Texans. If the Texans got three or four wins, that was cool. But you're already up to four, and we're not even in December yet. So it's um, that's the game that I'm really looking forward to because there are a lot of bad quarterback battles this week, uh, a lot of injuries it feels like. Uh, you don't want Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett? <laughs> you sure? Uh, I know Tommy DeVito's starting for the Giants, Jeez. so and he had like oh? – so, yeah, Exactly. Uh, Former Syracuse, Syracuse. And Illinois. I wouldn't call so. great, but that would be so disrespectful to Donovan McNabb. So no, former yeah. Syracuse competent quarterback, Tommy but, DeVito. But, yeah, there's a lot of bad quarterback battles, but I'm really excited because it feels like those two are kind of the future. You know, we've, uh, you know, it feels like the old era has basically graduated whenever Tom Brady retired and, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is getting towards, you know, the end of his career. So it feels like that's kind of the new era. Joe Burrow, who's not young, but, you know, he's n- newer to the NFL. Uh, Mahomes, and you could – Stroud could make himself to starting to get towards that. I'm not saying he's there yet. He isn't. But, you know, if you want to start to make your way into that conversation of one of the better young quarterbacks like Herbert and all that, you got to make, make it to the playoffs with – and uh, if you make the playoffs with this Texans roster, you'll definitely get a lot of praise there. But, um, yeah, it all starts on uh, Sunday, and I'm really looking forward to seeing those uh, offensive teams play. Yeah, I mean, again, they're – there's a couple good games we'll hit on uh, in the in the five o'clock hour, 
But you're right. I mean, there's some stuff. When when you've got a 17-point favorite in an NFL game, uh, congrats on the Giants for that because uh, <laughs> they're 17-point they're underdogs at Dallas. That's hard to do in the NFL. Uh, that's much more of a college line there. Uh, there is going to be some good stuff happening, though. Uh, but even teams with decent records, like the Saints-Vikings, those are two 5-4 and four teams. That has real playoff implications. Like in the scope of the season, if you're talking about the playoffs, that game matters. The Vikings trying to get as a wild card. Saints trying to win the South. Could backdoor wild card if, if the Falcons or Saints both kind of figure it out at the same time. And I don't want to watch it. And I just, I just, I just don't want to watch it. Uh, the the you Vikings don't have to. The, the Vi- boring bowl. The Vikings will have Josh Dobbs, which is a great story. I mean, he he made some awesome plays against Atlanta last week, uh, and, and did some great things. Didn't even know what was going on. Basically, he just kind of kind of freelanced it. Uh, and then New Orleans has won a couple here. There's they've got so many weapons. But Carr's just still aggressively average. Dennis Allen stills the coach, and it just—I have trouble trouble wrapping my arms around them. I tell you what, though, I keep giving you South thoughts. It's the division <laughs> I occupy. Uh, we carry the Atlanta Falcons, though, in Tiger ninety-five point nine. So I will just say this: if they lose at one and eight Arizona, I don't care that Kyler Murray is back from Call of Duty or not. <laughs> I don't care if they lose to one and eight. I'm out. I don't care. I know New Orleans has – I should have no faith in them either. I certainly don't trust Tampa. But that will be three really tough losses in a row for Atlanta. Their defense has been weaker the last two weeks. Overall, I still think it's a competent defense. They, The red zone's going to be the be the, the story for them. It's what we've been talking about. You, you draft B. John High. He's clearly got something special, and he's only got a couple touches in the red zone here. And, and yeah. so – that that's been the malign thing. I don't know how you feel about Atlanta and New Orleans, but uh, you know neither team has, is doing what they need to do right now. They are just so. Both of them are just so boring. Like they are just <laughs> they are just unwatchable. Sorry, Cam, but the Falcons. You have two great running backs, and you supposedly have a great offensive coach. If they lose to the Cardinals, like you said, I don't care if he came back from Call of Duty or whatever new video game's about to drop. Arthur Smith's going to be in some trouble there. But, yeah, the the South has been bang average, and uh, we kind of expected that coming into the year. Well, TP, that will do it for you on the program today. Uh, Appreciate you being here. Drive safe over to Montgomery, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting again uh, next week. Thank you, as always, Ron. That will do it for TP, but that will not do it for us. We've got one more hour here. We're live at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department. Come say hello to us on Wire Road. Again, Brooks Childress and myself, Ryan LaVoy, continue after this timeout. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. 
To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday evening. Coming to you live from the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department, 2176 Lee Road, 137 here in Auburn, of course, also known as Wire Road. And if you're coming from the university side of things or from just the, the city of Auburn side of things, coming down Wire Road, it's going to be a roundabout. And once you go straight through that roundabout, you will have the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department on your right just a couple of 100 yards beyond that. So, again, we're with you here for another hour. And once we get off air, the show will really begin here at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department. Uh, 6 to 8 p.m. tonight is the annual chili dinner. Again, $10 at the door, $5 raffle tickets. That will enter you to win some great prizes, including four tickets to the Auburn-New Mexico State game next weekend, a a shotgun from the firing pin, uh, a Yeti cooler, and some other great prizes. They will have door prizes as well. So just by walking in the door, you might win something extra here tonight. But, of course, all the proceeds go towards the Southwest uh, Volunteer Fire Department's ability to purchase equipment and supplies needed to help uh, support this community. And so we're, again, very thankful to be out here, very proud to be supporting uh, such an important thing here at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department. So, again, we're still here to 6. We still have some giveaways for you. If you want to come by and say hello to us, we also have two tickets to Auburn and New Mexico State for the first person to come pick them up. We've got a few of our goodie bags complete with shirts, koozies, cups, and some sports call mugs. And so, again, want you to come by, say hello to us here in the last hour that we are here. And, again, most importantly, come by and participate here in the chili dinner from 6 to 8 o'clock tonight. Beautiful weather tonight, Brooks. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, there's a lot of reasons to be out here. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, they, they have this event, Rain or Shine, and we've been here in all sorts of different weather. We've been yes, here we when it has absolutely been pouring outside. And we've been here when it's been absolutely freezing outside. We've been here when it's been both, raining and freezing outside. <laughs> this year, it is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it, is, it is great weather. I do have a jacket on, but I've got the sleeves rolled up. Yeah. It was not the, the smartest choice of apparel for the day. <laughs> but uh, we're making it work. But it is a wonderful evening. It's a great event for uh, to, to raise funds for a great cause. Like Tom said earlier, if you missed it, they respond to an average of like 600 and something calls a year here from this one station uh, and that's huge and you know he talks about they cover uh, a, an area of roughly what 50 square miles is what he was talking about of of Lee County and so it's it's a big uh, big undertaking for this station and they're all volunteers nobody here gets paid to for for what they're doing uh, he, he mentioned that it's a lot of college students that uh, take their time out to uh, to be down here and helping out the the volunteer fire department so come on out and uh, and check them out because it's a it's a great cause and uh plus like ryan was saying you can win some great prizes too i mean if and if you get here early you could be taking home a goodie bag of your own from yeah. us i mean look if you put it all together you pay ten dollars for the meal five dollars for a raffle ticket you can come home 
with tens of dollars worth of value, if not hundreds, depending on if you were able to win one of those big prizes in the raffle and the top of door prizes and all that. So a lot of value. And on top of that, even if you don't win anything outside of just a great meal, uh, again, the ability to support our community and support these firefighters that, again, uh, do so much for this community. Been They are always there in people's darkest hours. They are the light uh, to try and help families and, and the community through it. So, again, uh, really appreciate all those that are going to come out tonight and certainly appreciate uh, these brave men and women here in the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department, but, of course, all of our uh, fire departments here in the area and our policemen and, and just everyone involved with keeping the community safe. As we continue on with this Thursday edition of the show, again, want to shout out Cam Berry, who's in our Tiger Communications studios, running the board and taking your phone calls. Again, a reminder, that number to call us is 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. And we're going to talk a little bit more NFL right here, then we'll get back to some Auburn stuff to wrap up the show. Again, got a few big matchups still. Uh, I know I just kind of poo-pooed on some of the quarterbacks <laughs> and that sort of thing. There are a couple big ones. Uh, TP did mention the Bengals-Texas, but a really big one in the AFC's North Division. The Cleveland Browns at 5-3, and three, the Baltimore Ravens at 7-2. and two. Again, Brooks, we've talked about the lesser side of the NFL, which is a division like the NFC South or the NFC, NFC North. The AFC North, in my opinion, the very best division in the National Football League. All four of those teams very much alive. I was say, in a, in a normal division, in a normal year, you would think that the winner of this game probably has a, a good track to go on and, and make a playoff spot or make, a, make an, uh, win the division. Well, guess what? You know, you, you talk about the Browns being five and three. The Steelers are five and three. The Bengals are five and three. The the it, it's very uh, it's such a it's such a close division there. Uh, I think there was a graphic we saw earlier in the week that if the playoffs started today, all four teams in the AFC North would be in the playoffs, and, and it's just it, it's a it, it's such a competitive division. Uh, you know, you mentioned TP uh, talked about that uh, that Houston and Cincinnati game. That's really interesting because Cincinnati with Joe Burrow now seems to be getting right on their feet. Won a big game on Sunday Night Football this past week against the Buffalo Bills, uh, and so they are they they look like they're starting to build things up there. We watched uh, the the Browns last weekend. The defense is just that that's just an outer otherworldly defense that Cleveland's got. This this year it, it's it's just absolutely wrecking people when it uh when they get on the field um the the ravens continue to move things around with their offense lamar jackson still uh still is uh, is you know guiding things and and getting wins there but that's a big big matchup because it, it's a it's a ravens team that mentioned offenses has been clicking a little bit Blurse is one of the best defenses in the national football league right now in cleveland uh, and it's it's just a, it is going to be a lot of stars on the field, both sides of the football. And uh, you you hate it, it's another one of those games where you hate to see one of the teams lose. But it's if they lose, it's not like it's it's a detrimental thing for their playoff chances. Yeah, and look, you know, I think that this it could be a, a potentially very low scoring game, mm-hmm. despite the big names. Usually, you hear the big names of Lamar Jackson and Odell Beckham, and then. For Cleveland, obviously, Deshaun Watson. Uh, but a lot of these big names are also defensive, too. And I think that if you look at how opportunistic the Browns have been, just straight-up mean at times. Yeah. I mean, they I know it was Clayton Toon last week, but they just destroyed Arizona. I mean, Arizona was at like 30 offensive yards for three quarters. I mean, it was just awful stuff. 
Uh, but even in their highest scoring games, they do cause chaos. They cause turnovers. They score for themselves. Uh, and so Cleveland is going to make some big defensive plays in this game. And, and But also they still continue to figure out, like, what exactly Deshaun Watson can give them. I don't think he's going to give them uh, the value of the highest guaranteed salary in the NFL. But I'm not ready to give up on him and not getting back to some sort of Pro Bowl level either. I still think he can get back to being a top-ten quarterback in the league. If for no other reason you want to say the bottom third of the league so damn bad at the yeah. quarterback position. Uh, so you're already into that middle 10 or 11 right there. But I, I think that this game will be very telling on if Cleveland's for real or not. Can they go to Baltimore hang for fourth quarters, have enough offense, get Lamar Jackson on the ground, that sort of thing. I I think there's good evidence to show Baltimore's a really good regular season team. We've just not been able to see a healthy Lamar very often in the postseason to see everything that that means. But, I mean, it was a couple straight years where they were right at the top of the AFC in the regular season. Lamar gets hurt. They immediately plummet to, to missing the playoffs. So that's certainly a big one, and I think that that game will prove uh, very important and who wins the division, especially if it's Baltimore, because I think at that point you're starting to see real separation. The other three still playoff-worthy teams for the most part, but Baltimore would be 8-2 and two through 10. I think it would take a, a pretty big collapse with a two-to-three two game lead on everybody there. Uh, another good one uh, for sure, I think, in Jacksonville, which is not a sentence said a lot <laughs> uh, in the history of time in the NFL, Jaguars at 6-2 and two playing host of the 5-3 and three 49ers who have all of a sudden lost three straight. Uh, I believe both teams were on a bye last week, I, I, I think. They've obviously both had their bye. They played eight games in nine weeks, but I think that was both last week for them. That provides an interesting scenario because Jacksonville is not being talked about a lot. They're not a huge brand, but they're 6-2. I mean, they're right there in the mix in the AFC. No one has less than two losses in the AFC, unlike in the NFC where Philly has one. And then the 49ers, I mean, that's not only not really a – I mean, not only is it moving on from a battle between Philly and San Francisco as two clear front runners, it's moving to the standpoint of it's a battle between them and the Seahawks just to win that division. Mm. And so that all of a sudden now has uh, some implications, especially if San Francisco ends up losing. Yeah, and and this feels like one of those uh, right-the-ship kind of games here for San Francisco. Uh, It feels like, you know, they they started out the year so hot, and you you stumble a little bit here. you got to wonder, is is the book out on Brock Purdy at this point now? Are are teams starting to figure him out a little bit more, cause him to be a a little bit... uh, you know, come back to earth a little bit from from when he started out in the league last year. Uh, you know, it, this is a game. This is also a game that we you know we, we talk about uh, with um, the uh, the the Miami Dolphins, where they haven't beaten a team that has been you know super uh, you know that that you would think is a Super Bowl contender or or a, a real big uh, a, a big challenge to them this year. This feels like one of those games. Can San Francisco beat a team that they're the type of caliber team that they probably are going to see in the playoffs? And uh, and trying to get back in there, and like you mentioned, they're fighting uh, Seattle right now for a playoff spot and to get into that uh, get get into the playoffs uh, and win that division really uh, in the NFC. But it is it's going to be a, a fun game, I, I think. Uh, if San Francisco's defense can get off the bus uh, on this road trip and uh, and cause some chaos in the backfield with Trevor Lawrence, I think they've got a shot to uh, to win things. I think that's the key is you got to make Trevor Lawrence un- uncomfortable this week. And, and look, I need to see again. I and I just was said I'm also guilty. I'm not talking <laughs> about Jacksonville enough. Here I go about talk about their opponent again. 
I need to see Purdy respond and play yeah. well because this is the first time there's actually been real palpable doubt in his NFL career. Uh, I mean, it had been perfect up until three or four weeks ago, and he had played really good football. And so I just I need him or I need to see him come back to a quality game. They're going to start to get healthier here, and they, I think it's just important for the Niners to – start to right some wrongs there and ease the ship. It's always hard when you do something for the first time when you start to have your first failure, how do you respond for that. But it's kind of like the rookie uh, in baseball that hits five home runs in his first ten games and you can't do any wrong. Well, then you start to get a book on him, and then that next month is a little different. How does he respond from that point? I think we're getting there finally with Purdy. Yes, it was a little bit longer than that. I mean, it was, you know, what, 11, 12 total starts between last year and this year. But I think you're seeing his first adversity, how he overcomes that, will define if he is truly an NFL starter and more than that, if he ends up being a really good NFL starter. We're going to head to our first break here of the 5 o'clock hour. When we come back, we'll have Mr. I keep saying Mr. <laughs> Captain Thompson. That's right. We're in his house. We'll come back onto the program again. He'll talk about what's going down here at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department. Come by and say hello to let's hello to us. We're here from another half hour plus. And then again, 6 o'clock, the main event with the annual chili dinner. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress live here at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department, and we are now rejoined by Captain Tom Peavy here on this Thursday edition of the program. And again, Tom, we're here for a great cause. We're here for a great night. It's the annual chili dinner coming up here, 6 o'clock. Again, we're on air here, here till 6 o'clock, and Again, we're really excited for the opportunity to help support and uh, in any way that we can. And I know that it's getting busy around here. There's starting to be a little meandering around, a little bit of anticipation. The and, buzz is real, and uh, <laughs> the events here is uh, is almost here. It, it is uh, actually already folks pulling into the parking lot, and uh, including my mom and dad who are now here. So uh, that's kind of cool. But uh, yeah, it, it says it's just such a good event. It's a it's a fun event, and that's our main thing that we want to stress is that it's fun. It's family-friendly. It's fun. Come and eat some food. It's great chili. Um, you got all sorts of fixings to go with the chili. I mean, if you want some fruit, you got some cheese yes. and some Fritos and some crackers and yes. a little bit of everything that you could possibly want. And, uh, sodas and sweet tea and unsweet tea and water and, yeah. So, got the chili. Um, we'll have live music. Uh, we already have our truck, uh, all the doors opened up and on display. We'll have our the uh, the mascot Sparky uh, will come me- meandering around, 
and uh, it, it's it's fun. It's a very fun night. It's a lot of camaraderie with everybody. You get to meet all the firefighters here at Southwest, and uh, and the other fire departments and mm-hmm. law enforcement also um, come in and, and be a part of this. So it's a uh, it's a fun night full of that. But then it is also for a good cause because. Uh, Southwest is a small volunteer fire department. Uh, we don't get the great big funding that city departments and large volunteer departments do. So we, we do this fundraiser as a way to uh, raise at least a little bit of money for our department so that we can purchase new equipment or we can get equipment upgraded. Uh, other just general things around the fire department to kind of keep things up and running. This is where uh, an event like this comes into play. And so while it is a lot of fun, it is also for a very good cause, and, and we're just we're hoping that a lot of people are going to show up tonight. And like I said, they're already pulling in the parking lot, so that's a good sign. We'll let you go here in just a second. I do want to ask you another kind of different question. What's a little-known, lesser-known, or just unknown fact that people don't realize about either a fire truck itself or a fire department? Just give me, give me a cool fact, yeah. random fact, that just somebody may not realize about either a truck or department. Uh, well, I, I, I can give you two little tidbits. So the first thing, you look at a truck like this and you see all the compartments. That thing has a 1,000 gallons of water in it. Whoa. And so most people don't think about the, the quantity of water. You know, they see fire hydrants and things right. like that. But, I mean, trucks like this actually carry water in case we don't have a hydrant nearby or whatever. But that, the truck sitting there has a 1,000 gallons of water sitting in it. So it is a very heavy, <laughs> very, very heavy fire truck. Uh, the other thing I'll say is you know, there's kind of this whole thing between, you know, uh, paid firefighter, volunteer firefighter. It's kind of this little, you know, yin-yang back and forth at each other. Uh, fire department service started with volunteers. That, that's where it started um, way back. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, right? He was one, I, I believe so. And uh, But, uh, yeah, Philadelphia, uh, that area. So, uh, yeah, it just started out as volunteer um it started out as a volunteer group, and the vast majority of firefighters in the country are volunteers. Um, you, uh, if you think about, you know, uh, your states across the country, obviously your bigger cities and municipalities are going to have a paid department. But everywhere in between mm-hmm. are staffed by volunteers. So uh, a lot of vol- volunteer fire, uh, fighters and departments in this in the country, and uh, all of them need their need support, and so. Uh, you know, anybody that's listening, even if you're not here in the Auburn, Opelika, Lee County area, if you're near another volunteer fire department, go support them. Volunteer your time. Go and join the volunteer fire department because I, I, that's one of the big things is recruiting. It, it's hard to, it's really hard to convince people to do what we do and not get paid to do it. But you go out and recruit and you convince people to do it. And so that's that's another thing that we you know, we try to stress is, is to go out and support your local volunteer fire departments. And if you're able to, even volunteer for them. Well, we are certainly happy to be here today and supporting this great event, uh, obviously this great department, and uh, what what firefighters mean, again, to our community. And, uh, again, Tom, we appreciate what you do. I appreciate and, it. And uh, also want to wish you an early happy birthday because I know that's tomorrow. But yeah. uh, I know tonight's about a big event. I know you will be ready to get in bed at the end of this evening. And uh, but again, really appreciate everything that you do. And, well, and we appreciate we we appreciate Tiger Communications and Sports Call for being one of our one of our sponsors, one of our most important sponsors that we look forward to every year. And uh, 
Yeah, it, it just it wouldn't feel the same if we didn't have sports calls set up here at the front absolutely. door of the chili dinner. Absolutely. It's a tradition we absolutely love. We're going to go ahead and cut to our next commercial break. When we come back, we'll get a little bit more Auburn, Arkansas for you, maybe a little Auburn basketball as well. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live from the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department here on Tiger 95.9. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you. Cam Barry. Back in our Tiger Communication Studio. We're on the board taking your phone calls. Again, appreciate Tom Peavy for jumping on there. We're live here at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department where we are here for the annual chili dinner, which is really getting underway right now. I know we said 6 to 8 o'clock, but they're starting to be a couple people wander into the parking lot, wander into the line, and again, the chili is smelling delicious and is about to be served beautifully. Uh, and uh, really excited to be here again on behalf of Sports Call and Tiger Communications. Uh, again, really a great event that we've been proud to be a part of for multiple years now, really dating back to when I got here in 2018. And, uh, again, we've we've been in kind of all different weather situations. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is the best one. Yes. I'm telling you right now, don't need to remember each individual situation. It's like perfect fall weather right now we really hope to see everybody out here at the at the annual chili dinner yeah absolutely it is beautiful weather you've got some great prizes tom talked about all the uh the sponsors that they've got that have uh, either donated money or donated uh, uh you know food or drink and i'll i'll tell you what if, if you're you know if you're still on the fence you're like oh i like chili you know yeah maybe i'll come by uh he was talking about the the sweet tea and donated by uh, philly connection I don't know if, if you may be on the same wavelength as me. I think the Philly connection to Tweet Tea is some of the best in town. Oh, 100%. And, and so, 100%. I don't even look at their drink. No. I just go straight to Sweet Tea. Absolutely. It, it's some of the best Sweet Tea in town. So a, a heaping bowl of chili with that Sweet Tea, woo, that yeah. is a match that, made. That, that is a heck of a combo for sure. Uh, we want to talk here, again, as we get towards the, the last half hour of the show, Want to get a little bit more Auburn for you here on this Thursday. Brooks will not be on the show tomorrow, which makes us all a little bit sad. Uh, so his last chance to preview Auburn and college football coming up this weekend. Again, Brooks will be on the call with Tim Sin and the guys live from Gulf Shores, Alabama. Decidedly a beautiful place. 
decidedly not around here. Balling at the beach, uh, baby. Balling at the beach. Love it. That is going to be the first-round playoff game for the Beauregard Hornets right here on Tiger 95.9, 630 airtime, 7 o'clock kickoff again from Gulf Shores, the number one team in 5A. So big challenge for the Hornets, but excited to be back in playoffs. So Brooks will be down there in his native territory. Yeah. And I so, need the, the Daughtry song, I'm Going Home. <laughs> I'm Going Home, yeah. Or, or there's a lot of Coming Home songs, honestly, but Daughtry's one of the great ones. Uh, so I think that, Brooks, we want to give you the opportunity to talk some Auburn, Arkansas in here too. But, again, what are you looking out for uh, in college football this weekend? It's a big weekend there, in college football. There's a lot of good college football games this weekend. Um, I think we talked about it, or I said it earlier this week, uh, on the program, but that that 11 a.m. slot, that Michigan Penn State game, I'm really interested to see. One, it's on the road at Penn State. Penn State, you know, you you thought they had a, a chance against Ohio State. Ohio State kind of, you know, even though the score didn't really didn't say it, but Ohio State kind of dominated that football game. That was on the road. Penn State now gets a their their second opportunity at one of the top teams in the Big Ten, uh, and one team that they would have to you know get through to get to that Big Ten championship slash have a have a shot at that 14 playoff. If they were to, you know, continue to move in that direction, uh, and it's it's another one where James Franklin uh, here recently he has not won a big game here. I, I know you, you you know we talked about it earlier this week. There was a couple games that he knocked off of Michigan and Ohio State early in his tenure, but uh, as of recently, there ha- he he's gotten into these big games, and it's just it not. I'm not going to say they fell flat on their face because they've had respectable performances with them, but they have not been able to close that deal. Uh, with, with when playing some of these bigger opponents, i.e., uh, Michigan and Penn State or Michigan and Ohio State, so uh, I'm really looking at that. Uh, looking forward to watching that game. See if uh, if the you know all the stuff around uh, Michigan uh, uh, kind of affects them. I know that these last few weeks this hasn't really, but they haven't really played as somebody that is uh, you know on their level, on their caliber. You you know even if you have a uh, you know, uh, you know, it's starting to distract you a little bit. Uh, all the stuff around the program, you, you're going up against teams that you should beat and that you uh, that you are expected to beat. This is the first game that, since all these allegations came out, that you are going to be tested, and so it, it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, you know the uh, the the two thirty CBS game, uh, that Tennessee Missouri game. That's going to be really interesting. Um, you know, it, it's gotten to the point here. Where you know Missouri is, you know they're they're a quality football team, uh, but they again they're a team that you they look good, but they haven't won that big game this year. They lost to Georgia this past weekend. They lost to LSU earlier in the year. This is their their shot at getting a, a big you know a win over a big uh, big time SEC opponent, a big ranked SEC opponent. You see if Eli Drinkwitz can close that door. I think he's saved his job. This isn't like a oh he's got to win it and to, to to you know continue on and you know try to keep keep going. They've already got a bowl game they're going to a bowl game they're they're you know it feels like he saved his job for the year uh but can they get a big win over a big time sec opponent under eli drinkwitz that's that's what's on stake this weekend and then you know the other big sec game that uh ole miss going to georgia i just don't know it, it you, you saw lane kiffin finally get a what you could consider a big sec win uh against lsu earlier this year but it was a shootout LSU's defense, we, we know the struggles on that side of the football all year long. Uh, 
now you know Ole Miss is going up against a very stout Georgia defense. They are one of the better in the conference, uh, and it feels like also offensively Georgia's starting to find their groove. We we saw early in the season where they were you know letting other teams hang around. I think you said it earlier. They were bored. It, it felt like they were bored, and they said they they were like we know we can win without our A game. Well, now they're getting in the stretch for Georgia that you have to have your A game. Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, you had to have your A game. They kind of they showed it last week against Missouri. Can they show it again this week against Ole Miss? And then going into that Tennessee game, can they continue to, to, to ride that wave and, and get a big win? The, you know, it, it's, it, it feels like, once again, like you mentioned, it's a, it's a collision course between Georgia and Alabama for that SEC championship game. Although, you know, we, we talked about it, Ole Miss still has an outside chance at that, that, that uh, SEC championship game, getting in there and representing the West. They've got to win this weekend, though. It, it's, it's a very important game for them, but... Yeah, it's it's you know there, there's other big games out there this weekend, uh, but there's a, there's a, some quality games. I think uh, you also mentioned uh, I mentioned the Pac-12, Oregon and USC. On you know coming into the year, you saw that game was a little bit bigger than it is now. But Oregon, you can't afford a slip up if you're if you're the Ducks because you're trying to keep pace now with Washington. Uh, you're you're trying to you know put yourself in a position where get back to that uh, that Pac-12 championship game. And uh, if, if it's up against Washington, you get a, a rematch against them and get a, get a spot in a neutral get neutral site to try to kind of prove yourself and get back and you know have a have a, a resume builder for the college football playoff here and tell them, hey, we deserve to be in there. Even when we lost the regular season game, now we're on a neutral site. You know, we we've got the resume here, and so if you're Oregon, you can you can't afford a slip up uh, with a with, against the USC team. Yeah, so I'll I'll review some of that too. <laughs> Uh, James Franklin, Penn State, start there. I just did it. Nineteen times, James Franklin's faced Michigan and Ohio State combined. Four and fifteen. Three and six against Michigan. One and nine now that they play that tenth game against Ohio State already this year. And that one was back in 2016, though, as a while ago. Two of the three Michigan wins were early Harbaugh when he was on the hot seat. There's not a lot there in terms of success for James Franklin. And, and mm. you say, well, okay, everything else has been pretty good. Yeah, but you're in the same division. And you're Penn State and you used to win some titles with Paterno. And you're constantly blocked. Now, Penn State's kind of like the situation I was talking about earlier with the SEC programs that mm. are going to kind of readjust their hopes and dreams once the 12-team playoff comes. Well, Penn State's one that benefit from that because we look at James Franklin's tenure as kind of a dud, not a whole lot of success, tied for the uh, division win, went to one Big Ten championship game back in 2016, and that's it. And now his 10th year, and it's going to be it. They're not winning the division this year unless Ohio State does he get some weird three-team tie at the end. And, again, that's got to beat Michigan first, which I don't think is probable this weekend. So of his prior, of his completed nine seasons – Four of the nine seasons, they finished in the top ten. Those are playoff teams yeah. in the future. That means if that were to happen in the next nine seasons, starting next year, four of nine years, Penn State being the playoff. Now, that's still not perfect. It's certainly not Paterno. But it's palatable because maybe one of those four teams made a Final Four, maybe even made a title game or something if you got the right matchups. But the lack of winning against Michigan and Ohio State, because those are the two teams that control the Big Ten in that division, have just killed them. 
And, and again, Franklin has lost 37 games at Penn State, and I just told you 15 of the 37 are to two teams, to two programs. Yeah. But they're the programs. So until they beat a real Michigan team, which this is a real Michigan team, not you know, I mean, not not the first couple of hardball years that didn't have Connor Stallions. Uh, the <laughs> yeah, I threw one in there. Uh, not the first couple of Michigan teams, and not uh, you know, not being Ohio State since sixteen. Until they do one of those things, like it's just hard to, to really respect Penn State, even with the ten beside their name. I mean, even with the knowledge that this is an important game. This is a game where the winner is going to have a a, a big a big time chance to make the college football playoffs. So that's what I'm noticing in that game. You look in the SEC, the big one, and the, well, it was really two. I mean, Tennessee, Missouri, again, implications change so much next year. 13 versus 14 is really damn important next yeah. year uh, at this time of year. This year, eh, not so much. Now, it is important for Tennessee, and only if Ole Miss surprises Georgia this weekend. Because if Tennessee can beat Missouri... And if Georgia does lose at home to Ole Miss, as unlikely as you may think it may be, then all of a sudden the East is on the line in Knoxville the next week. Uh, and all of a sudden Tennessee could win the East. Now I think they still have Vandy after that or another a game at the end of the season, but a, a much easier game to finish with. All of a sudden that game in Knoxville means a lot. But if Georgia slams the door in Ole Miss, they slam the door in Tennessee. And I do think Tennessee-Missouri is the earlier game there, mm-hmm. so I think we'll already know if Georgia's won the East officially or not. But uh, that loss at Florida has just destroyed Tennessee yeah. from an East standpoint. And I've gone this whole year unsure of a strong opinion to have a Joe Milton because I feel like it's he's been pretty decent. However, they had someone that was more than decent last year in Hendon Hooker. And so I think that that's an interesting one in Columbia because Missouri, albeit in a loss, hung in there pretty nice with Georgia. I, I thought there was a chance Georgia could just assert more dominance. They didn't. Now there's also the, the chance, and we talked about this with Jeff from Columbus yesterday, that Georgia will get Brock Bowers back for Ole Miss. For you, Brooks, let me ask you. How many points is that worth to you if Bowers plays in that game? If if Georgia play, it plays without Brock Bowers, is that a one-possession game? Is it a 10-point game? And then if Bowers comes in, it's a two-possession, three-possession game? What What is he worth to you in that game? I think you – you know, I keep referencing things you said earlier in the week, but I think it, it, it's, it's something that you said earlier in the week on the show. Um, when, when you look at the – what Brock Bowers means to Georgia. When he's needed, he stepped up. You saw that Auburn game. He was needed. He stepped up. I think that it, it's it's a it's a possession. I think that he is worth a possession because if you can get him going and you can all he needs, all you need for him is one drive. All you need from him is one big drive, one touchdown from him. I think that's all you really. If, if you're Georgia with this offense, that's all you really need in these big games. And I think that's what he's. I, I think he's worth a, a full possession for you. So if, if you know you, you say like you mentioned, if it's a ten point uh, spread right now, I think if Brock Bowers goes in, it goes up to seventeen. I think it goes up to seventeen or eighteen, somewhere around there. 
uh, I think that he is so important to them. Obviously, they've been able to win without him. Uh, they they've been able to to work things and and have you know have things. Been, but you're talking about a, a guy that is you know you, you look at the NFL draft coming up here in a few months. He's going to be a guy that a lot of teams are going to be looking at, and a lot of teams are going to be uh, very very interested in him uh, through that whole draft process. So I, he's he's one of those guys that is is a true game breaker for for Georgia. Yeah, again, it's. I, I think that Ole Miss would just be kind of overwhelmed again. I think, I think great defenses can at least prepare for a certain amount of things. Mm. Ole Miss is not a great defense. They have to decide on one or two things to defend. And if Bowers is out there and close to 100, percent then you know, look, Ole Miss was not very good defensively against Texas A&M last week. I, I thought that was pretty disappointing on their part at home. Uh, maybe they were not valuing the fact that Texas A&M still had a lot of talent despite not being ranked. But, I, again, I don't think they did a very good job last week defensively, which made me feel worse about their prospects of going in Athens. But, again, we, we talk about it like it's just this impossible thing. It's a yeah. top-ten team. It's a top-ten matchup. Ole Miss's only fault is Alabama this year uh, in Tuscaloosa. So Ole Miss is really good, but I, 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 don't, I just don't know if, if reasonably speaking – they could uh, they could end up going into Athens and figuring out a, a path to victory there. So I, I think that ultimately George is going to be fine with or without Bowers. But yeah, Bowers coming in, he definitely adds another uh, another touchdown on the board at least, just from his productivity and the things you have to defend uh, with him in there. Uh, let's also look at Auburn, Arkansas here uh, in the closing minutes. Got about seven or eight minutes left in the show now. So again, we talked about what it means for Arkansas, okay? Mm-hmm. What does it mean for Auburn, realistically? What, what's important? What does this game, what do you want this game to say about Auburn and its status, game 10, year one, Hugh Freeze, and, and, and preparing itself for the Iron Bowl in a couple weeks? Uh, I, I think it says you get a better bowl game. Uh, I think that you uh, you grab a better bowl game if you're if you're Auburn. You you get to that seven. You know you you realistically get to that seven win mark, which would get you to uh to you know not you know you you want to you you want to get to a bowl game, but you you know you, you're looking at it. You're like Birmingham or that Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa. Those are fine, but you want one of those middle tier Auburn SEC bowl games. You want to go to the Music City. You want to go to uh you, you know you want to go to Charlotte. You want to go to to Tampa. You know, for for the ReliQuest Bowl, you want one of those mid tier bowl games uh, at, at this point. So that, I think that a better bowl game is is what you're looking for. Also, you know, you finish out the your main section of the SEC play with the winning with a, a three game win streak. I think that's really really important, uh, and especially when you're going and you know, I know it's it's the SC, I know you know you, you look at the three teams that you beat: Mississippi State, Vanderbilt. And in Arkansas, we'll take Vanderbilt out of the equation. Mississippi State and Arkansas. I know that you know that uh, that you know Hugh Freeze has talked about competing and you know recruiting against the likes of Bama and Georgia, getting to that level. Well, you've got to start winning. You know, you, you have to win recruiting battles with Mississippi State and and uh, in Arkansas too. There, you look on you know both of these rosters, or you look on yeah Mississippi State and Arkansas's rosters. They're reaching in Alabama and getting some people. There, there's some talent that leaves the state of Alabama and goes to Arkansas and goes to uh, to Mississippi State. Uh, there's one of the one of the top uh, defensive players at Gulf Shores tomorrow night. I'll tell you what, he's committed to uh, uh, Mississippi State. He's going to go play. No. 
I'm sorry, Baker, uh, one of the uh, one of the top defensive, uh, the top, the one of the top players at Baker High School, which is a top ten team in the state of Alabama, is going to Mississippi State next year. Um, and so, when you are uh, this, you know, you're you're Auburn. You're 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 going into these recruiting battles against these other two, these other schools too. And it shows the recruits you get that three game win streak. We can win here. You can you know we can win here. And it, it's going you know we, we you can come here and make this program better. And so I, I think that it's a it's a big deal. It's it's a big deal to go in, uh, win a big SEC road game, uh, win in, a, in an environment that the the fans are a little revitalized in. It, it's going to be a it, it's going to be a, a Arkansas environment that. You you, you know we've seen in the past and so there's a lot on the line for Auburn uh, there's a lot and especially having confidence going to that Iron Bowl is, is a big one too well and look again people too and I, I kind of hope it gets back this way because that means Auburn will be having uh, rampant success or, or at least a lot of success again you kind of take for granted just because you should beat these type of teams you take for granted that you still could lose to these type of teams and Auburn expects and should expect and is a better program than Arkansas. They're certainly way better than Vandy, and they're mm-hmm. better than Mississippi State. And quite frankly, I know people on Twitter like to fight. They're a better program historically, clearly, than Ole Miss. Uh, however, the last couple of years, because of the direction this program went, that was not true in the short term. Mm-hmm. So people can say, oh, you beat Mississippi State, who cares? Or you beat Arkansas, and they're going to drop the three and seven if that were to happen. Say, oh, who cares? Well, it's about the clear steps you have to take mm-hmm. to revitalize, revamp your program and get it back to where it should be. And I know 2013 was an explosion. I know that sometimes teams do take a one-year master class path towards it. But most programs, it takes a few years, and it takes a buildup, and it, it takes some time. And the first natural step, if you're wanting to compete for an SEC title, a national title, if you're Auburn, a team that did lose to Mississippi State last year, that did lose to Arkansas last year, is to reclaim your territory over them and to go beat them, no matter what their teams Mm -hmm. look like this year. And, And so to go ahead and establish that, yes, you are the better program, you have higher aspirations, that might be some of the better versions of this of, the, of their programs. This is some of the worst versions of your program, and you're still as good and better. So that's why it's still important because you can say all you want about Mississippi State and, and Arkansas and all these teams just not having great programs, not having great seasons. Well, again, it didn't stop Auburn from losing to them last year because of how poor of a place Auburn was in. So it's very important in that, uh, that respect to reclaim that territory Uh, in the middle of the SEC as you try to, again, get back territory and get towards uh, the upper echelon of the conference. Again, same thing for Auburn that we said with Arkansas. Again, it has been very detrimental uh, to lose to Alabama and Georgia the way they have for a period of time now since Kirby Smart got to Georgia and then uh, since Nick Saban got to Alabama for the most part. But you have a 12-team playoff starting next year and as much as you really want to win those games if you lose here and there this type of year it's over mm. however you have a year where you're 10 and 2 and your only loss is the Bama and LSU or, or Bama and Texas or Georgia and whoever 10 and 2 you're in the playoff all of a sudden and then you have an opportunity to still compete for a title and it kind of ch- changes the way you think about the, the season the program so uh, this game, again, I think just is an important another calibrating moment for where exactly the program's at 
and how much progress it's made in just one year post Brian Harson. We're down to our last minute or two of the show today. It's time for Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide. Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide is presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer Brooks. Last minute or so, what we got? Yeah, so movie pick for you this evening. We'll give you just one. Seven o'clock on FX. It's Avengers Endgame. Movie made me cry. Watch it. It's a it's a great uh, addition in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, sports picks for you this evening. We got some college football on for you on a, a Thursday night. Six thirty ESPN battle in the ACC. Virginia, uh, who's been a little feisty this year. They're not a great football program, but they've been a little feisty this year. Visits. Number 11, Louisville. And then at 6.30 on ESPNU, Southern Miss visiting Louisiana. A little sunbelt action there. Uh, Some women's college basketball, 7 o'clock on ESPN2. Number 8, Virginia Tech takes on number 3, Iowa. A little uh, non-conference showcase up in Charlotte, North Carolina for that one. And, of course, 7 o'clock on the SEC Network. Plus, you can catch the Auburn women's basketball team taking on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Both teams battled last year. Auburn got the best of Louisiana. We will uh, see if they can do it again this year. Uh, Also, you've got Thursday Night Football we mentioned. You've got the Bears and the Panthers on Amazon Prime. Uh, but it is a, it's a wonderful night to watch some football. And you know what else it's a wonderful night for? Chili. Absolutely. And, again, we want to remind you, it's starting right now, folks, out here at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department. Come by for the annual chili dinner and support a great cause, which is the funding of equipment and supplies for the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department. Again, we're certainly proud to be here. And, again, the event runs from 6 to 8 p.m. A lot of great prizes, a lot of great chili, $10.00 at the door. That will do it for our show this afternoon. We want to thank Cam Barry and our Tiger Communications Studios for running the board and taking your phone calls. And of course, we want to thank all those that tuned in and called in. For T.P. Hammock and Brooke Childress and Cam Barry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night. Enjoy some chili, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.